Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 307. I am Peter and unfortunately Matt is not here this week. Uh, this And it's not so much that Matt couldn't record this week, but Connor definitely won't be here for the next couple of weeks. So we decided to record when Connor could record this week. So you get a Connor episode before two or three Matt episodes in a row. So yeah, Connor's here. Yeah, you've only got to suffer through me this one and then, yeah, at least a few without me, I think. Yes, well, I look forward to the coming weeks. Uh, oh, I'm sure you do. This is a DC Comics podcast. We get together and we talk about the week's DC Comics that we read. Coming up on this week's show, we have Detective Comics 1060, Action Comics 1043, Deathstroke Inc. Issue 9, Robin Issue 14. Of course, those are both uh, part of the Shadow War crossover. Then we got the Swamp Thing Issue 13. We have Task Force Z Issue 8. DC vs. Vampires Hunters issue 1, Batman Fortress issue 1, and Connor's going to talk about one Patreon book, which is Harley Quinn issue 15. So that is what's coming up on this week's show. So healthy amount of books this week. Definitely the healthiest it's been uh, all month. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, get tell a, me about it. I'll get a Patreon book or two uh, done next week on week 5. So Turn, uh, Turns out weeks that I'd been missing stacked up and not had not caught up on my, all my books was mostly books for this week. So, so yeah. I had to read two or three of everything, basically. <laughs> yeah. So I, I read 13 issues for today. And by for today, I mean I read two last night and I read the rest today. So, on the upside, at least uh, The Shadow War probably forced you to read whatever issues were relevant for that a couple of weeks ago. I think ago. that was the only thing I was up to date on. Yeah. But that's probably because... Everything- Everything else had two or three issues. Yeah. That would be because there was an issue that you need to read them for like a couple of weeks ago, probably. Because that's had something yep. almost every week. Whereas, yeah, everything else was monthly. Ah, oh, well. At least there was some good stuff in there you had to read. I, mean, uh... I was. I had two issues of Action Comics. I had three issues of Swamp Thing. Those were those were very enjoyable. Well, me and Matt gave the last issue of Swamp Thing a 10, so I assume that you were... Uh... I agreed, yeah. Oh, very good. Well, that's good. We'll see how we feel about this, this week's ep- episode issue uh, later on. Uh, but do not fear everyone, because there is always time for a comicsology top ten. Is it X Men? I don't know. I haven't looked yet. Oh. <laughs> now you can guess. Now you may guess. Is it X Men? Um, X. Is it an X Men book? It is X related. Yes. I don't know why X Men books came out this time. Was there a Wolverine? It's an issue one, so I don't know if you get it. <laughs> Oh, then. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, Legion of X, issue one. I had no chance. Yeah, I, 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 I don't, I'd never heard of this either. Uh, I assume Legion, the character, has uh, got something to do with it. That uh, or it's just a shitload of X-Men. It's also possible. Uh, but that is uh, number one. Number two is Saga, issue 59. Always does well. Uh, and you know what? Credit to Saga. Still tune it in nine. Mm, I know. Honestly, if I'd known Saga was out this week, I'd have guessed that as number one. Yeah, well, it was close. It was close. Um, Marvel uh, back in here at number three. If you'd like to guess what the next Marvel book would be. Is it more X-Men? It's not more X-Men. Uh, I, I don't actually know what Marvel books are out this week. I've got no clue. Oh, come on. Spider-Man? Yeah, I was going to say, if, if it's not X-Men, what's the next most logical guess? Yeah. Spider, yes. Well, I, I don't mean, know if the Spidey was out. Amazing Spider-Man issue two. Uh, I tell you, that's not weekly anymore. Then 
I presume not. I presume it's went back to monthly or maybe even every maybe twice a month, but probably not weekly yeah. anymore. Uh, that's the Zeb Wells and John Romita's on this now. I mean, John Romita. Ugh, ugh, ugh. <laughs> what a way to make me not want to be your I'm just, so, ba- I'm just ba- happy he's back at Marvel. That's fine. I, I heard, oh, no, issue two. I was like, oh, maybe I'll check out, you know, issue one when it gets to, you know, uh, infinite. Like, you know, it's like three months back. Maybe next month I'll check it out. Get, get back on uh, uh, mm-hmm. Spidey. And, and then you said that and I'll, uh, you know, Romita Jr. Like, no, thank you. I will, I will hard pass. Yeah. Uh, our first DC books at number four, and it's actually Batman Beyond the White Knight. Uh, which, fair enough, I suppose. Uh, yeah. Sells well. Uh, back to Marvel with number five is Hulk number seven. Uh, and it is notable here that DC had a lot of books out this week, and I would argue they had a lot of good books out this week. I mean, not necessarily that I, I'm not going to necessarily spoil what I feel about these issues, but I'm saying in terms of what the series are, there's a lot of books that I there's, feel should be doing well. <laughs> there's books that I think should be doing well, but don't like. Like Swamp Thing, I don't expect in this top 10 necessarily, at least not in sure. the top half, as good as it is. Whereas, I don't know, Action Comics? Well, we'll find out where some of these are, because uh, we do, I mean, don't worry on the, 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 the back half of the top 10 is mostly DC, but uh, Robin 14 is number 6, DC versus Vampires, Hunters issue 1 is number 7, number 8 is Action Comics. And then number nine's back to Marvel with Devil's Reign Omega. End of that event, I assume. Yeah. And then Batman Fortress is number 10. And the one that's shocking to me is that Detective Comics is 15. That doesn't seem right. Yeah. Are you on the UK or the US Amazon for this? US. I'm on the US. That's very interesting because I believe the UK Amazon finally added the... uh, no one cares. The ability, to, yeah, the the entire UK audience cares. <laughs> you bring you bring this up all the time. I, I've, I've, I've got I've got a chart. I'm be consistent. Yeah, no, I don't I'm care. saying that, that, that they they have fixed it on topic. On the, on the UK, Detective Comics is nine. Which honestly, the the UK is significantly more DC heavy. Like holy shit, it's more DC heavy. Well, the UK has better taste than apparently. Uh, the, the, the UK one only has two Marvel books. And uh, those are at four and eight, respectively. Interesting. Uh, but, yes. So that's a 15... I mean, Task Force Z beat it. Which makes me wonder if there's something fishy going on with Detective Comics. He's like... I don't know. I don't know what it could be, but something's tanked it this week relative to everything else. Uh, Deathstroke Inc.'s at number 13, so uh, I did those in reverse order because I just want to talk about Detective being solo. Um, but yeah, so... I mean, nothing's like super low down, but certainly only one DC book in the top five. Uh, it's a little bit of a shame given this week. Uh, it's a shame that Swamp Thing's down at like number uh, what's that, 24? Ugh. As sad as that is, I think that's within expectations. I know. I, I, I'm still disgusted by it. No, more people should absolutely be reading that book. But my one consolation is that's going to have such a long life on in the book market. Ah, uh, when they finally put out the full sixteen issue deluxe hardcover, uh, yeah, that's that's selling for years. That, 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 I'll I'll do I'll do numbers. Uh, but that, that's basically it. There's nothing else of interest, I don't think. Uh, some Teen Titans of Academy issue or whatever. That's at like number, is it seventeen? Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Uh, Godzilla, Who cares about that book? Godzilla versus Power Rangers. I mean, unfortunately, it's by Kellen Bunn, but I do have to just point out there's a book called Godzilla versus Power Rangers, and it's on the charts this week. Doesn't he have what is meant to be a fairly fun Godzilla book before? 
that sounds pos possible, but what I've read of his superhero work has not left me... I agree. I I'm not a big fan of his superhero work, but I've heard his other stuff is better. But hey-ho, uh, there, you, there you go. Um, that's, that's, that's about it for the Comicsology Top 10 this week, but don't worry, he'll be back next week. Uh, I else, won't, it's fine. Nothing will stop me. <laughs> the good Mac news keeps on coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do have one bit of news um, it seems Mark Wade's been doing some talking he's got an DC book uh, coming later this year uh, coming out in October he's got Batman vs. Robin and it is a you know it's Batman and it is Damien specifically as Robin uh, you know going back to kind of their you know time together and their relationship what's interesting about this is that it's somewhat spinning out he says in the interview that he gave that it's spinning out of his World's Finest book, which is really weird, given that his World's Finest book is set in the past, and... Which is a strangely undeterminate Robin. It's not undeterminate, it is definitely uh, Dick. Okay. Yes. I'll tell you a word for it. Yeah, because there's, yeah, there's a joke in issue two about how he's trying out the, uh, the different outfit. He's not in the pixie shorts, so there's a reference to it in issue two. Okay, fair enough. So it's, def it's definitely uh, Dick. He just happens to have a staff. Yeah, they just they just happen to make him Tim. I mean, whatever. Uh, what's weird though is that, given that it's dealing with all this stuff with with uh, Damien, you would think, oh, is this going to be tied a bit more to continuity? But which is all weird, given like the weird sort of like. I mean, I I've had fun with what they're doing with Supergirl and Robin and World's Finest as like a bit of banter, but like I'm you know. It's like, it's fine because it's not in continuity. It's not messing with their history. Uh, or giving them this history that they're not supposed to really have. Mm. Um, but, yeah. Especially since I'm pretty sure the Demon Neza, uh, the name was mentioned this week in another comic. It was, it was in, in Yeah. It was in one of the Shadow War yeah. issues. I did a double take because I went, wait, is that the same demon that's in World's Finest right now? And then I was like, yeah, it is. Because I was very confused because that... that... Um, yeah, the Neju was mentioned, and I was like, huh, was that part of the story already, or am I conflating no, I don't think that so. with something else? And, and I couldn't remember which one it was, but World's Finest, Jay, you're right. Yeah, uh, so I am wondering if they're kind of, like, trying to slot his World's Finest into, like, the, you know, into, like, you know, early continuity, and saying that is part of the, the past. Yeah, I think that that is the intention. Which is Which fine, is, you know. I'm 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 okay with them setting up Neza in the past and then doing a story that deals with it. it in it's present fine. Day. It would be better if Neza was more interesting, which so far has been very bland. I've never had the problem with with Neza all that much. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. Some some of the things they've maybe done with the characterization of Supergirl and Robin, like I've enjoyed it on its own, but it is a little bit weird that it's in continuity technically now. Perhaps. I always assumed it was continuity, to be honest. Just you know, set earlier. Uh, I, I guess I just didn't just because it was, or at least at the first, I, I guess just because it was like, okay, it's in the past and it's just kind of this weird side thing. I just didn't think any of it was going to play into anything. But mm. now that this week we're hearing, you know, like, oh, they're going to be dealing with this Neza stuff. Uh, it, it may just pop up in this book and the reason why it's in Shadow Wars because it's tied to Damien and it's like a nice little seed for that. But, uh, or if it's going to be mentioned elsewhere away from Mark Wade and whatever, but he says that he always knew that this was going to spin out of World's Finest. This was always kind of a plan. Um, it is interesting to me that he's going to be bouncing around the timeline and doing different parts of, like, the DC continuity. I, I kind of 
I'm cool with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how present is this DC, uh, not is the Batman versus Robin going to be? Is, is this still slightly in the past? Mm. Uh, this, this could still easily be, you could slot this into some, you know, early New 52, late. Could, in fact, if I remember point. correctly, one of the arcs of Morrison's stuff was called Batman vs. Robin. Wasn't that the second hardcover? It might be, yeah. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, I wasn't Bruce, that was Dick, but still. But um, yeah, but the point stands where you could fit this into when you've got an even more aggressive Damien still, if if they wanted to. Yeah. Uh, Ma- uh, Mahmoud Asar is going to be doing the art, and um, it says it's going to be five oversized issues starting in September. Well, I said October earlier. I was just I was speaking from memory. <laughs> I got it wrong. Uh, September... Um, and it'll be Damien and his father having to come to terms with something outside their regular day-to-day crime fighting. You know, it's funny, I could see it being present day because of their relationship right now. It's just sort of starting to patch up a little bit and they've been kind of in a rough place. So yeah. I could see this being could be. present day. Um, no, if, if Mahmoud Azra has the, uh, the eyes, I think that they are. Could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that they're, they're the reason I dropped uh, Jason Aaron's Conan book quite early on, like five, six issues um, in. I remember liking his work uh, on the early New 52 Supergirl. That's been a long time since I've read that. Yeah, it's been a long time. But I mentioned that's what, that's what he's done here, and I was like, oh yeah, I've read that, and I remember vaguely how it looked. <laughs> so I think I liked it. Mm. But uh, it's been a while, admittedly. Uh, he's been away from DC for some time. Um, I like Wade, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, certainly I'm not getting any warning bells or anything. So you've seen the name. So, yeah. Um, Just, uh, uh, you got more on this story? I was going to say, yeah, he's, he's also teasing that this may not be the last thing that spins out of World's Finest. So he's, he's kind of using that as like a, a backbone of maybe these other like miniseries that he's going to want to do. Such a strange book to use to spin everything out of, really. Like, given its placement in the in the timeline. Yeah. More I, I guess what I would say is that it's going to spin out not directly in terms of, like... They're not, it's not like they're setting up the Damien and Bruce relationship in World's Finest. It's more just that some seeds are being planted that he's going to then sort of use as, like, oh, this is going to pop up again in this present-day story with Damien. Uh, maybe, there'll be, maybe there'll be other things. Like maybe he'll do a Doom Patrol book that'll, you know, use the Doom Patrol characters because he's playing with them in there. Uh, or maybe it'll be yeah. stuff that's more again separated like this one seems to be where it's like oh yeah there's, there's something that ties into that but it's just kind of a background plot thing and it's going to be you know further down the timeline or you know mm. maybe it'll be even weirder than what this one is I don't know yeah, that's possible but I do kind of like that Wade's been allowed to kind of like dart around the DCU and do different things I actually think that's quite exciting and we'll see what else uh, we get from it but yeah, yeah uh, hopefully something will be less Obvious, because at the minute it's just, you know, Batman, Superman, and then here's more Batman, right? Mm. I'd like to see something a bit more, I don't want to say obscure, but just a, well, a little bit off-centre. Yeah, I think maybe the way to look at this is it's more about Wade writing Damien for the first time. Mm, that's, that's true. That, that could be maybe more the appeal for him. Uh, so, yeah, Batman v Robin issue 1 and World's Finest issue 7 come out in September. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll Wait, see. So is, it sept- is it September or October? September. flopped yeah, a minute ago you said October, and then you no, were no, like, no, sorry, no, you no. said September before. No, no, it was the opposite. I said October 1st, and then corrected myself and said it's September. And now you're misremembering it as the other way around. 
feel like you're misremembering, but that's fine. No. David, David, go back and play the, the clip again. Oh, the confidence in that. I am confident you're wrong here. I am right. I mean, I was wrong originally. That was, was the point. I corrected myself. <laughs> but I am right about what I was wrong about. <laughs> oh, 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 I can't wait to see the end result. <laughs> Uh, Connor uh-huh. is wrong. That's the important part here. Uh, uh-huh. Will you want to say separate from this? Um, yeah, there's just some. Uh, this one's not official yet, but there's a lot of talk. There's going to be some uh, a new Batman Inc. book, which uh, also launching in October or maybe November, depending on when it you know when it's ready. I think this is very unsurprising for me, given that we've been playing with Batman Inc. There's an annual coming up that's the the Batman annual, which is basically Batman Inc. But yeah, we're under Ghostmaker. I'm like, yeah, this this makes sense to have that return uh, following this new iteration of the team. It'll take a hell of a creative team to get me interested. I, I'm not saying it's interesting. I'm saying it's unsurprising that 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 it's coming, given you know the last you know six months of their usage. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a big Batman Inc. guy as a as a rule, so. Oh, uh, we all know. I will remain reserved until I have something to sing and dance about. Or scream and shout, alternatively, depending on if they... I mean, I'm not worried about them cocking up Batman Inc. I don't care about that, but if they <laughs> if they pull in another character into it that I feel they're cocking up by including them, then, then I'll... Who could they possibly put into Batman Inc. that would ruin that? Kate Man. Cold Snap. Don't, don't oh. you... Don't you dare besmirch Cold Snap by putting on my Batman. <laughs> the good name of Cold Snap. He's the joke villain they take out in the first two pages. The Honourable Cold Snap will not be besmirched by Batman Incorporated. I'm pretty sure the Honourable Cold Snap has only ever been besmirched. <laughs> yes, but he's, 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 he deserves to be besmirched by a better class of hero. <laughs> The 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 rebirth oh. Justice League, for example, prime example. Oh yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for Cold oh. Snap, Minister Blizzard, and Icicle Junior to uh, form that unholy trinity of of sub zero temperatures. <laughs> one day, one day, Cold Snap's gonna get his justice. Oh, and that justice is going to be getting taken out by Batman Inc. Now, what we need to do is we need to do like an NWO black and white versus Wolfpack situation where we have two like factions of cold form. So you've got like Captain Cold heading one team, Mr. Freeze heading the other. Because uh, you've, you've got enough to have two teams now. There's enough of them, right? You got one side, you got Mr. Freeze with Icicle and uh, maybe Killer Frost with Cold Snap and then the other side. This is is like (laughs) an East Coast, West Coast. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I I don't know if any other Ace villains identify themselves as not freezing, but uh, absolutely, because I like Cold's whole thing is, I'm not, I don't freeze things like Mr. Freeze does. I, you know. Yeah. That, I wonder if there's any other ones that hate the idea of being labeled as the Freeze villains, so they team up with him. <laughs> so he gets Icicle Junior, he gets Minister Blizzard, and maybe he gets uh, whoever's left. <laughs> this is, you, you've pitched an entire DC event here. Yes. This is a summer event. <laughs> yes. Uh, D- DC... Uh, I'm trying... 
Do you know what you do? You do, you do, you do DC the logo, right? But you put the little circle so it's like, you know, C as in like the temperature. Like, you know, as in, you know, Celsius. Celsius. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> Detective, like zero degrees or zero D Celsius. Detective Celsius. I don't know. There's a, there's something here. There's gold you're, you're, here. You're really trying to work this in like they did with deceased, and it's just not going for you. <laughs> there's a way of doing this, damn it. <laughs> oh, you can spin I'm it. Not sure there is. Oh, you can spin it out at Jurassic League, right? You, you end Jurassic League with Mister Freeze oh, kicking down the door and saying. What killed the dinosaurs? <laughs> the Ice Age. <laughs> and that spins into our, our Ice Wars, or <laughs> whatever we're going to call it. Needs a better name than Ice Wars. <laughs> but, um, uh, sub something, Battle of the Sub Zero, something, something. I definitely need a one shot with the, the Ballad of Cold Snap. There you go. They can all get one-shots. Why wouldn't they all have one-shots? That's your tie-ins. Yeah. Yes. Obviously. But Cold Snap gets the most important one-shot, obviously. All right. Okay. Clearly, we're on to a winning idea. Uh, DC, I will take a small commission, but you're free to use it otherwise. Um, pretty sure they'll just do whatever they want. I'll take a commission. How much? I think five million ought to cover me. <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> they can afford it. I mean, probably, but <laughs> that's not the point. <laughs> You've done no work. I've given them, like, not even gold, I've given them, like, crystal. I've given them ace crystal of an idea. You didn't give them gold, you gave them cold. Yes, yes, yes. Cold is the new gold. No one cares about gold anymore. <laughs> oh, all can right. we talk about some books, please? Yes, because this is nonsense. Let's talk about books. Um, all right. Detective Comics 1060, Mariko Tamaki and Nadia Shamash writing with Ivan Reese on the art. Uh, our last issue dealt with various citizens who were doing like really heinous, like murdering crimes, but then. Can I confess, but also were never, not really villainous or had any criminal history, so it was like something was either making them do it, forcing them to do it, whatever it may be. Uh, meanwhile, Riddler's doing his radio show and is probably connected to it, but there was no sort of direct link as of yet. Uh, and then the other thing is that one of the potential victims was Deb Donovan's daughter, who is a judge, and Bruce, we start this issue with Bruce taking her out for a, a date, and that's where we kick a off. A cheap date. Well, yeah, he's, he's not rich anymore. Oh, that, that was a running joke, yeah. yeah. That was a thing, yeah. yeah. Um, so, she has a little miffed at times. Bruce is asking... Because he's, you know, he's doing a little detective work here. He's trying to like get some details and what might be going on. And uh, she's not really having it. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, and there's some jokes about how Deb would like investigate our dates in the past and other things like that. Um. Yeah, you know, I will say I do have like I think the art generally from Reese obviously is a very good artist, and by and large, Bruce is inconsistent. Well, it's this it's the one pile that really bothers me is that after he's shown her to the door, there's like him smiling through the the window of the door. I think looks oh, really yeah. comically simple. And, it is, I, and the panel below that looks like 
yeah so sinister yeah i think that's my problem with it is that the very next panel like he's so detailed and shady and he's got all this expression in his face and the panel before it is just this like flat smiling face this is like a happy smiley face yeah there's two pages before that as well the top panel uh it's like direct shot on bruce Mm -hmm. i can't quite place who he's modeled the face off but it's someone specific that i recognize Uh, an actor or something got a bit of a chris Payne thing going maybe Maybe that's not. I mean, that's not too far off, but it's. I don't think it's quite who I was going for. But I don't know. I can't quite place it. It's just off enough, but it's bugging me because I don't see it in any other panel except that one. It's because it's much better. Generally, I think the art in this book is very good. Like, uh, like I, I had a good time reading it. You know, uh, I think his Riddler looks really good with a goatee, and you know, so I'm, I'm digging the twirl on the mustache. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, obviously, Bruce is investigating things. You know, some nice panels of, you know, Batman up in a gargoyle in the Night City, all that sort of stuff. Um, he goes to see Deb because there's someone broken into the into the paper, into the office, uh, and they skedaddle uh, before Batman, like, really needs to deal with that. And he finds, like, some brunette hair that maybe gives him a, a hint of where to look. Um, so, it's... Yeah, like... And it's like a match for uh, Darby Turner. Um, if, if I have a critique about this storyline, perhaps, which I am enjoying by and large, is that there are so many names of these like characters been thrown around that we, we barely know, that it's kind of hard to keep track of like, who they're talking about at times. Yeah, Darby Turner, I only know, because obviously I've read these two issues back to back. When Bruce visits uh, Donovan in the, in the hospital, she says they almost met once at Darby Turner's party. Ah, so that's where that connection comes from. Yeah, because because when the name came up, I was like, okay, go on, <laughs> explain to me who this is and why it's important. Yeah, I think the the odds of you remembering that a month later are slim. Yeah, it's a uh, peak writing for the trade. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's not like the issue didn't make sense because of it or it threw too much of a hitch, but there was definitely a few names been thrown around. That kind of took a minute to sort of recalibrate and kind of get into again. Uh, Batman goes to see this character, but ends up finding Talia instead. Um, which you know, I was like, okay, Talia's here. It's kind of weird, obviously. Talia's so heavily in the crossover right now in the other storyline, but obviously this is just kind of separate to that. Um, yeah, it's it's weird. Like, oh, let's just do a do a chunk with Talia for for some reason. But uh, she warns that Riddler. You know, this is all Riddler. This is all Riddler playing with him. And you know she's listening to what he's saying because he's he's definitely putting in clues and and whatever else. Um, but uh, the big the big crisis of the issue though is that Deb ends up being held at gunpoint by someone she was meeting, who again doesn't have a criminal past, seems to be someone who is otherwise normal, but is now holding Deb at gunpoint. It's Darby Turner. Yeah. Um, well, she uses a use of them though because she she because when Deb sees her, she says Miss Smith. Yeah, but so, when, when when Bruce gets there, yeah, uh, so she tricks her. Uh, Batman shows up, and there's a bit of a standoff. It's all very dramatic. You got the searchlights and all the rest of it looking up the side of the building, and this other guy runs in, and he's someone else who's also a victim, a Riddler, and starts to actually finally say things that kind of make sense, like they're being forced. Like if she doesn't do this, what's going to happen? You know, it's going to be so much worse that this is why they've been forced in. They've all been blackmailed, essentially, into doing these heinous things. Yeah, um, Deb's been turning up that, uh, that uh, one of them 
had like you know maybe killed someone they were like 15 but it kind of got covered up there was like oh you know uh it was neglect from the parents so it was it was all these circumstances so there, there was never any record of it yeah so i'm still like there would be accidental or whatever but these are all things that aren't on record because they all went away in some fashion yeah and these are i think all people in in the law profession like yeah, mm. police judges that you know those sorts of things the, the people who are supposed to be the good people in, yeah. in theory which leads to the cliffhanger which is uh uh it's deb's daughter who shoots this guy uh, when he's about to start talking about everything and the envelopes that they're getting there's a gunshot and then it's her holding the gun so it's like oh wait okay so obviously deb's heavily invested in this because her daughter now has been made to kill someone uh there has to be consequences for that in some fashion one way or another so yeah which means she's also presumably being blackmailed hi caroline the daughter yeah 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 uh, there was some implication in the previous issue that she knew about the bombs beforehand she didn't just like find yeah. them by chance yeah i don't even think it was an implication didn't she have like a whole conversation where she she was she said something like you know they were supposed to go off or the, this was there's something i can't remember exactly it's been a one month but yeah yeah she didn't she didn't know like the exact details of it all though but she just knew yeah. kind of something about them yeah uh so i mean actually I enjoy, i'm enjoying the kind of the the outright mystery of it and riddler's clearly connected to it but he's just doing this kind of cocky radio host kind of thing going on right now um i don't think it's as tight as the last issue and i think part of that is probably too many names been thrown around that i don't remember but yeah that's that's fair uh I, i'm enjoying uh, how much of a sort of no, not quite the same way that the, the the movie did, of course, but it is very much like Riddler's playing with the city with all these clues and like taunting everyone. Uh, I, mean, I think I enjoy this equally as much as I did that movie. I, I'm not sure what you're saying exactly there, but go on. The, the, the movie's just fine. It's very overrated. Uh, it's like this story. It's fine. I disagree on the movie quite substantially, but. Uh, no, it's fine. You can be wrong. Oh, you can be, you can be underwritten it and be wrong. That's fine. Uh, but I know. I mean, so you're saying this book, this issue is just fine. That's that's where you're landing on. Uh, I mean, this issue, yeah, and and kind of this, you know, this story so far as as a pairing, like it's it's fine. It's not setting my world on fire. Um, I think it's got, like I say, it's got solid art from Reese for the most part. Um. I think it, like I said, it feels a little bit clunky. There's a lot of names being thrown around. It's, there's a lot of threads that I feel like it's being written for a trade, and it it might read better in the trade. I don't know. Um, in the, in the long run, but it, monthly it definitely feels like it's fragmented. Yeah, I think that's that's a little bit fair. I mean, I, I'm I'm still typically enjoying it, but there's definitely a few little hurdles there that probably will be cleaned up by just reading it in one sentence. Uh, yeah. So. You know, it's it's not like a huge deal, but I I am digging how different this feels to the the more sort of big action that's going on in like Batman Shadow War. Like this is very different mm. in terms of what type of story it's telling, which I appreciate. No, I definitely agree with that. Um, I I always want Detective and Batman to feel pretty different. Yeah. Uh, so you've got that variety, um, and 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 like this this is definitely not a a bad book by any means. Like this is perfectly solid. Uh, it's enjoyable enough. Like, I don't. I don't feel like you're wasting your money by reading it. No. Uh, did you read the backup? I didn't, just because of time. Yeah, I. I didn't, because I. I saw like kind of 
what it was last issue and said, you know what? Gotham for the, Girl, yeah. For the first time, I'm... Well, I even know if it was... I don't even think I saw Gotham Girl, necessarily. But uh, whatever I saw, I was like, nah, I'm, I'm opting out of this one. Uh, mm. Matt did read the last backup, but uh, uh, maybe we'll tell us next time uh, how it's faring. But uh, what are you rating the, the book? Uh, I'll give it like a 6.5. Yeah, I think I'm a comfortable point above you. I think 7.5 is kind of where I'm sitting. Uh, There's a few things knocking it down from being great, but hmm. yeah, I'm enjoying it. This is good. So, and that is Detective. Action Comics 1043, Philip K. Johnson, writing with Ricardo Federici on the art. Uh, I was confused by the cover because it seemed like it was trying to say Conrad helped on the art, but also did the art for the backup, but I think it was just the backup. Hmm. Uh, yeah, he, he's obviously definitely the backup artist. Yeah. I, 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 I just credited him. Yeah, I didn't notice anything on the, the main story that looked like it was done by someone else. So Oh no, he did. He he did uh, it's I think I think it's that sequence towards the end where it's uh there's a lot of bright colours, like bright uh, orange, okay. purple, oh, pink. Okay, okay. I think it's those pages. Oh, so it's like two pages, okay. Yeah. Alright, okay, okay. Fair enough then. Um so yeah, uh, the Warworld saga is raging on. This technically is, I think, the start of the next like arc in the Warworld saga. Uh, going from the title page. Yeah, this is uh, Warworld Revolution now. Yeah. Uh, so which is cool, and I, I do think it does. Like even that first page is much much warmer compared to what we've been seeing. It's still Federici, but it's got a much warmer tone in the colors and. Uh, Clark's outfits even getting more elaborate as he goes. Like it's still very much gladiatorial, but he's got more of a cape now. He's got like, the red there's, coming off the belt. There's color to it. There's yeah. red and blue in there now. It's not just the the wrought iron metal. Like I've just uh, he, he's very functional before. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like you're, the colors coming back to the book as Clark's getting closer to saving everyone and inspiring everyone to like do things. So the first chunk of the book is them te- uh, saving Manchester Black from Teacher. Uh, one of uh, Mongol's main dudes. Um, and they, they succeed, and there's some nice big action here. Uh, I love the... It's the page where... Uh, I think it's only like page three or something like that, but it's uh, when Superman and that first come into the, the room and they're in sort of the blue hue at the entrance and teacher sort of like down in his ass. Um, yeah. I, I love that, the atmosphere of that. Um, and then he introduces his big like mech fighter to like, take on Superman and Superman... Uh, Warfun, I think they called it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so we got a big action scene. Uh, it's fun stuff. Art's phenomenal as it's been with Federici. Yeah. No, no denying that. Um, and we get into some other lore things uh, that we're going here. We we know that Mongols got Apollo and is like seem seemingly has like broken him down and turned him uh, is the implication in this scene. Uh, where like you know, we're going to use him to help get more slaves, which leads to like, sort of this next dark scene where we're on this random planet, and these aliens seem very peaceful. They're farmers. They they seem like really docile <laughs> and you know just like peaceful creatures. And then they look up and like war worlds there, and all of Mongol ships are coming down to to enslave them. I love how it's just this full page of it to, oh, to show yeah. it off. It's it's yeah like. These creatures as well, like they couldn't look less threatening. Like there's, you know, like there's kind of a, a conscious effort put into making them look like the friendly alien, you know, just to give you that real feeling instantly of oh, they don't deserve this. Yeah, and a lot of them look like they're older as well, just yeah. uh, in the way they're drawn, like they. And, and maybe that's not true of these aliens, but they 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 have that impression. 
Yeah, uh, one's got like a cane, and maybe they all have canes, but yeah, like, we associate that with being old and like a bit more, you know, a bit weaker, a bit more, you know, less threatening. Um, and there's this sort of discussion that happens with Superman and uh, Steel and the others about uh, like what to do next, and they've got some options here. So we get this like lore of this other like being in War World. Uh, the one that has Enchantress. So, there's, so the choice is like, do we go save Enchantress? But we get this explanation of who's keeping Enchantress. And it's this being, Mother, who can kill entire worlds. And the Mongol who is basically made a deal with her. He was the only one who survived. And it's kind of what led to him killing Mongol who was to become the Mongol who is uh, by teaming up. Because this this thing was killing everyone, killing all the war zones. And instead of fighting it, he made a deal with her. Uh, and that's kind of like what's brought her on on board. So, uh, I thought I thought this was a really creepy um thing. I will say the two page layout here. I don't think was the most obvious the order to read it in. Oh, I'm going to completely disagree here because I think there's a a fantastic little lettering touch that made it so easy for me. I mean, I, I mean, you can argue all you want, but I still read it the wrong way first. <laughs> okay, but functionally, I think they they made it easy. I think you, I think you got it wrong somehow. I don't know how, because obviously, so looking at it, you're in the and top to, left. And to be fair, this is now two issues in a row I've had this problem where there's been a two page layout that I I have read the wrong way to begin with. Oh my god! If the if the two page layout in the previous issue is the one I posted on Twitter yesterday and talked about how how they are making it so easy to follow is it was that page? Then you are so stupid. I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. So, on, I, I don't think this one's as obvious as the last issue's one where they had well, the big me, sound Let me effect. explain my problem, right? Let me explain how I read it first, or what, what, what I think is confusing about it. Is I think the colouring makes it look like you go across to the right and then go back diagonally and do like a Z shape. That's what the colouring of these panels makes it look like to me. Okay. Do you want to know what, what makes it, for, for me, that, that is, is easy to follow? That one narration box that overlaps? So you, you go there, you're on that panel, you look what's still in that panel. Oh, there's a narration box that's still kind of in this panel, so you read that next. And that's half in the next panel, so it's clear that you go down from there. And then and then you keep following it down, and then the, at the very bottom of that side of the page, you you end with the, the ellipses. So then, okay, so you're looking for the, the ellipses, which is back at the top. I mean, fundamentally, you're just reading it as if it's two single pages, because you're just going down yes. the page and then down the next page, uh, which is fine. Uh, but my eye was not drawn to there initially. My eye went elsewhere. Um, the only thing I can suggest as to why you might have missed that then. I also think it's weird that, that that narration box is a different colour from every other narration box on the page. That's what I was going to say. Is I think their assumption is that highlights it because it makes it different so your eye is drawn to it. But I think because it's black... Maybe it just blends in a little bit too much, is yeah, it, for you? The rest are all light green, so I naturally look for the next light green box. Yeah, it could be that. So, I mean... I will it, say, if, if the page from last issue is the one I think it is, you are mad. I don't think so. I I think it genuinely did not work. At least at a glance. Like, I understood the logic of it once I actually looked at how it was supposed to be read, but it did not work for me at the time. I went the wrong way first. Um, and here, I went the wrong way first. Now, it didn't take me long to realize I was going the wrong way, because, like, the, obviously the narration box made no sense. Like, it obviously didn't follow on from anything, so I was like, okay, I'm clearly going the wrong way here, and then went elsewhere. But, 
I do think that black narration box being different from the rest, and I understand that it's someone else speaking, and that's why, but it it, it just it made my eye not think it was next. So, no. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a huge deal. You know, you realize you're going the wrong way, and you... It, it's funny, because I was going to compliment this page for making it obvious for me by having that overlapping panel. I no, I disagree. My because the color, because you, you can see a clear diagonal in the coloring here. Where there's this sort of like muted purple or uh, lavender, as I'd maybe say, going down that diagonal. You, do you see it? Yeah. Right, and then it kind of sort of like you get a sort of slightly different shade of purple going then right from there. So it kind of felt like that was leading me across as if it was going to be like a Z shape. So my my eye immediately thought it was going that direction in in the in the layout. Mm. Interesting. So, um, I mean, it is entirely possible that while you can stack the deck as much as possible, and there is obviously really smart techniques to laying out a comic book page, there is a level of subjectivity that some people will just never go exactly the way you think they're supposed to go. Yeah, it's true. It's something I've seen um, like game developers talk about a lot, where you'll have some people complain that, why do you make this path so obvious? Why do you like put like, is it uh, some games? You, you know, when you to like to climb this wall, the highlighted or put, yellow, like, yellow markers, yeah, yeah. yeah, like yellow paint or something. And it, it's because you know they'll do testing, and as obvious as it seems, if you don't put that there, the amount of people that just won't understand that that's the way to go is staggering. And it, it, so you 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 end up insulting some people to make the the majority find it, but even still, like some people won't. So I, I guess this is something. I that think where... the people who complain about th- those like markers to sort of give you a hint of where to go. I think if you, because there's, there's some games that won't have them. I think when you find them playing those games, they will then complain that there's point. Not all the time. Sometimes they will realize where they're supposed to go, but there's always going to be segments where they go, "Oh wait, no, I don't. Where am I to go here?" Because I've felt that in some games where mm-hmm. I don't think the next area it goes clear, and you get frustrated because it's uh it's a bit awkward. Um. So, I think I think it's a similar thing from a from a creative standpoint of the the, the artist and the, the letters here. Like you know, you can do all these tricks to start the day, but some some people just yeah, and I, th- I think read it wrong. And the other thing I'd add on here as well is that it also kind of feels like there's a horizontal divide on the page. So it, I naturally feel like I'm supposed to go left to right, like I because that's just how I read. Yeah, because too often mm. when you get a two-page layout, they'll treat it as if it's one big page. So you go left to right across the top first, and then you go down and go left to right again. So, yeah, I get that. Um, they they like the uh, the effect of the overlaying panels here, though, which is why it's the the two pages, right? Yeah, no, I'm, I... fundamentally you could split this into two separate single pages quite easily. You you could actually uh, nudge in a couple of panels left to right, and then just uh, there you go, divide. But this has that. By having it this way, you keep that more jumbled, that kind of light, multi-layered effect that these panels give it, which, which is kind of the point. It is kind of showing off, you know, the, the, these layers, the, the the story that's going on. That there's, there's, there's more that meets the eye. That you know, that, that that's the the effect it's trying to give. I don't think it succeeds in that, and that only really works by having it as two pages. Yeah, uh, my my eyes went the wrong way first. It didn't feel natural to me to go down. Mm. So, uh. That's, that's all I can basically... I mean, fundamentally, my arguments are always going to come back to my eyes went another way, <laughs> so I don't think it's this perfect execution of what it's doing. I still like pretty much what's on the page. I like the story it tells, and I think it all looks very good. 
But fundamentally, I just didn't go the right way first. Um, so yeah, uh, you've got this, uh, and then Mongo has, like, seemingly enslaved this world. He's got, like, a pile of dead bodies that he's sitting on. Um, and, Mongo. Yeah, and we get this sleaze ball from the United Worlds. Because I think we, this was, like, hinted at a while ago that there was one, or, or a couple of people on the United Planets who were working with Mongol and, and conspiring to... Basically, like, and they seem to think that this is keeping the peace by, like, being, playing nice with Mongol. And Mongol's like, oh, you've been developing ships. Uh, I'm not happy about this. Uh, and you know what? I know that this is not intentional because you know that I would kill you so easily <laughs> if it was. So I will accept an apology of uh, you letting me take this planet of slaves and also giving me, yeah, let's say, what was it, 10,000 of these ships that you've been building? Uh, maybe it was just 1,000, but... <laughs> no, it was 10,000. Was it 10,000? Um, yeah. So you're kind of frustrated because you're like, God damn it, there's people in the uh, United Worlds who are, like, or United Planet, sorry, who are keeping, like, helping this, like, move along and stopping other help from coming in and not letting them act. Uh, which really hurts because you actually, back in the, those first couple of pages of this planet, one of the things one of them says is called the United Planets. When, when Mongo, oh, exactly, yeah. And it's, it's a damning indictment of the bureaucracy of of these sorts of institutions mm. where, yes, on the whole, they're well-meaning, clearly, uh, but with that many heads, you know, butting, it's always going to take time to come to decisions, you know, there's always going to be problems that arise from, you know, all these different viewpoints and with the, the amount of compromises that they have to come to, that it, they're not perfect. And, and that's clearly shown here with the, the United Planets as well, that some people just, they're, they're out for their own gain as well. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, this idea of telling the kids stories is kind of like coming back into us, kind of a running theme since the start of this run. Uh, and, you know, he, he uh, the storyteller here, what's his name here? I, was, I don't remember these... Uh, all these extra Kryptonians and Thelosian names. But he uh, talks to Superman um, and is talking about the language in these like under-passage caves. Um, well, as well, it mentions here that with the Genesis fragment stuff down here, mm. some of his powers are starting to come back. Yeah, but he's also worried that all the Thelosians' powers will kick in because that might cause just complete chaos. Yeah. Uh, and that's the other thing. is like Darkseid won't... Oh, sorry, not Darkseid. Such a slip there. It, I've done that a couple of times. Mongol... Uh, come on, they're kind of similar. They are, they are absolutely nothing alike. <laughs> come on! <laughs> so you're not even reading this story that clearly tells us how Mongol is his own unique independent being. They could be brothers. They totally could be. Cousins at best. <laughs> right, um, but, uh, yeah, he wants to, like, keep taking more of this Genesis stuff from the core of the war world, and like, he's being warned by his, like, lieutenants, like, hey, this might, like, you know, turn war world into, like, Krypton here. <laughs> This is this could be a problem. Yeah, but yeah, maybe, maybe hold out a little bit. Nah, so I, I thought that was just an interesting little detail. Uh, but yeah, he he talks about uh, yeah, that's this backstory with all these this, this very colorful page of uh, the mighty Olgrun, uh, the first and greatest of the gods, and couldn't really be defeated, but the the you know the, the powers that be at the time were able to split him into like five like fragments, uh, or was it seven fragments? Um, seven. Um. And if it's, if it's ever reformed by someone who's worthy, um, it'll be okay, and he'll be this force for good when reformed. But if he's formed by someone who's unworthy, then you know the the planet or the the universe even is is just screwed. 
So that's what yeah. Mongol apparently is ultimately trying to do. And it does seem that one of the things is the, the, the yellow kind of crystal thing that, that Mongol has on his chest. That's one of the aspects of the, of the Seven. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, it's a little bit Infinity Stones in some ways, you could argue. Uh, you know. A little bit. I mean, fundamentally different enough in their purpose. They, they share think, a similar look, I suppose. But. Yeah, the end result's a little different. Is uh, you know, it's still kind of this ultimate power that he's vying for, uh, and obviously, yeah, the, the visual of having like these different gems that are going to ultimately come together. But uh, obviously, it's not a gauntlet, and I suspect that once they do come together, it's going to create a life form. So it's not going to be like a glove or anything like that, where they're, they're all filled up. But uh, yeah, but there's definitely some parallels, just mechanically, of like the villain looking for these things and trying to you know, bring them together again. But, yeah. uh, but there's this interesting idea of, like, it's a kind of a one-time thing, and if, like, someone who's worldly, and, you know, obviously the implication here is Superman's the worldly one who might be able to, like, turn it into a force for good, um, like, that'll do something magical. But the, you know, the, the war world itself is actually, in part, built to deal with the, this sort of shit. So, um, it's very war interesting. World was, uh, designed as a planet to, to, house one of these yeah seven which is interesting because you know the the origins of war world have been kind of murky and like intentionally i mean i think there have been some explanations in the past that they've retconned and stuff but like it's meant to be they this have, mysterious thing this this is using the approach it's a similar approach to what they did with like hawkman recently where this is an older answer that doesn't undermine any of the other things either because this is like oh no this is so old that it was forgotten about by everyone yeah, plus it's implying as well that there's six other potential war worlds, or maybe they're not called that, but like, and similar things that exist. So maybe some of them are also war worlds that we've had used before, or maybe maybe we'll be able to go into what those other six things could be and where they are. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, you assume the one Mongol has is the one that was housed in this war world. Yeah. Did you read the backup? No. <laughs> okay. Um. I would suggest maybe going back and reading the backup at some point because it is ah. by it, it's by Johnson. Oh, I didn't even see that. Yeah, um, and it is uh, Byler telling a story to the kids, and it is the story of the first Mongol, basically, like coming to this planet, killing a being and taking his armor, and his armor, you know, turned out to like be the the, the guy's skin. And uh, you know he had this jewel in the chest, and, and ah. you know, he, he took that, and you know, the jewel has been passed down from I every will, Mongol to Mongol. Yeah, I will go back and read this. Do you know, it's funny because I've just been because for so long it was doing those weird. What was it? Was it Midnight? Yeah, it was like Midnighter stories and stuff like that. I, I was there's a Martian Manhunter one after that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of as well, Martian Manhunter. Um, that I just didn't even bother checking to see what the backup. I just assumed it was the next part of whatever I hadn't been reading. Uh, yeah, this one. Is actually Mongol backstory, um, and it's about you know the first Mongol coming to what I assume is is you know ancient war world, and uh, you know no, taking, so that, taking that jewel for himself. That actually sounds quite interesting. Sounds like good uh, accompanying material, actually. Yeah, I I'd say it's probably not essential, but it is significantly additive to the story that I would recommend if anyone else has skipped it because. Yeah, easy, easy to do, especially with all the previous backups that we've been having. If you've not been reading them, you just get into the habit of not checking. I just happened to glance and see his name at the, at the top, and I was like, oh, oh, I'll read this one. Yeah, um, so... 
Yeah. It ends in an action cliffhanger, the main story, though, with the uh, Mongol ships coming in uh, and causing chaos. So, you know? Yeah. Uh, so we'll have some action to kick off next time, uh, which is cool. Um, you know, now I'm looking at this, I can actually tell the last couple of pages are different artists. I just never... I was so caught up in the story, I didn't even notice when I read it. Uh... Yeah, I think it, it changes once... This so is, you have the, that, you have it, them leading through the caves, and when they come out the other side, yeah, yeah, which is a bit of an awkward transition now that I'm looking at it, to be honest. But um, it, it's just something where one more page of Federici, and then transition with all the colors on, the, on inside yeah. the story would have been perfect. But it's not the worst, and the fact that you didn't even notice is. I think I was just so into the story, because there was so much, like, lore being dumped on me in this issue, and I don't mean that as a complaint, but between the, the mother's backstory, these gems that are going to, you know, reassemble this ancient being, and, either for good or worse, like, there was so much to, like, take in, I was just trying to, like, process it all. Yeah, and as he's, as it transitions, he's talking about the sawsmiths and talking about, you know, the, there's versions of these on, like, you know, all sorts of worlds, and, and across the multiverse, you know, the, the sword and the stone, um, he mentions, you know, the, the the family, you know, saving the child, you know, that, that's been sent away in a ship. That becomes yeah. a great hero, uh, you know. Um, so it's you you are pretty engrossed in that story, I guess is kind of the point. Which is not a bad thing by any means. Like it means like yeah. the lore that he's he's given us is interesting, and I'm I'm kind of fascinated by a lot of it. It is intriguing that they're letting them kind of you know, plug in the backstory of what Warworld and Mongol and, like, because this is all pretty big stuff that's kind of, assuming they don't just disregard it too quickly, uh, does kind of, like, fill in a lot of backstory to just, like, DC lore as a whole. I mean, it's tied maybe more to Superman because we think of Mongol as a Superman villain, but it was kind of just larger DC at a certain point as well. Yeah, it depends how much they want to play with it as well with these other six worlds that that may be out there that house these these jewels. I mean, for all we know, this could not be dealt with in this run because oh, Superman will win, he'll you know, and we'll go where we go. And then this idea of these war war worlds with different gems could be like an event down the line. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be that, but it probably could be. It sounds like it could be an event. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be a case that Superman will reforge these and you know and and summon yeah. forth the god to be the hero. It could be just a case of he stops Mongol and that's enough for now. But he very well might do. Though that may just be what the story builds <laughs> very up well to. Might, yeah. yeah. So. No, uh, no solid issue though. What you, uh, what are you giving it? Oh, um, I think it's a step, a significant step down from the previous issue for me, which was like a ten. Uh, so I'll give this one like an eight point five, which is still very good. Yeah, it was great stuff last issue. Um, barring some layout confusion, um, which I I thought was a mastery of the craft. <laughs> if anyone. Uh, Wants to check out my Twitter to see that. Uh, I would say it's a blip in their otherwise craft, but sure. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm happy to give this... I, I think I'm probably going to go with 8.5 as well. The art change, you know, once you do notice it, is a bit of a shame. Um, but I do like a lot of the lore that this is sort of adding in, and I, I dig kind of the, the, the villainy of Mongol working with someone in United Planets... Um, them leaving the planet to be taken by him is really dark and sinister and builds up as a villain more uh, and all this lore 
Uh, especially the, the mother lore I thought was quite good and kind of the orange of this Mongol who, you know, he made this deal with this like new devil effectively and that's what kind of what led to him becoming the Mongol who is. Like, I kind of like that little detail that was nestled in there. So, uh, I think it's quite interesting having the, the backup be kind of the origins of the first Mongol in the same issue as this mm. kind of, you know, of the current Mongol. Yeah, that's a nice contrast, or not even a contrast, but like a, a thematic link that, that works. Yeah. So, uh, that's cool. Alright, Deathstroke, ish, sorry, Deathstroke Inc. issue 9, I should say. Uh, Joshua Williamson writing with Paolo uh, Pantalina on the art. Uh, this is the next part of Shadow War. It is worth mentioning that uh, these two issues that we're about to talk about um, are the the final regular issues. We've got the Omega issue next, which I think is next week. So that's the, that's the conclusion. So this is the penultimate two issues of... Um, I'm going to just put this out there. Uh-huh. Kind of glad it's almost over. Oh, not happy, are we? It's starting to just feel a bit there. Like, it, it's a bit messy. It's a little bit dragged out. It's not particularly exciting right now. Um, I think I'm a bit more positive. I think I... I, I don't think it's like a, a be-all, end-all story, but I think it's a generally fun late event. If that... You know, a late event. If Does that make sense? Um, you know... It, like, it does. You know, they're, they're dealing with the respawn death here. They try to save him, but it's not happening. Uh, so... It kind of reiterates that they want to go after Talia. Batman and Robin are with the fake Deathstroke. There's some teases this issue. Obviously, we know who it is by the end of next issue, so we'll save that conversation for uh, the next book. Uh, but um, this one, you know, has art that feels a lot more like uh, some of the art that's been in the, the run. Like, I, I had, this is the same whiplash I had last month with these two issues back-to-back, is that the art change when we go to uh, Robin is severe. Yeah, I think that's part of why I'm feeling this about this event as well, because it feels kind of messy from an art perspective as well. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the big thing here, though, is that Deathstroke goes back to where the rest of his team are being held, the Secret Society, and uh, take them. He's a bit of a confrontation with Ghostmaker. Uh, they compare their dick sizes a little bit, and uh, Deathstroke breaks Clown Hunter's arm. Is it just me, or the art here, just to give uh, a little bit of criticism to Paolo uh, Pantalina here, is that Clown Hunter suddenly looks like he's about 10 years older than he has in every single appearance he's ever had. See when Deathstroke's holding him to the gun to his head? He looks like this muscly, like, 20-year-old all of a sudden. Uh, yeah, I think the the bit that gets me is the page after uh, the top right panel where Ghostmaker's behind him and he's got his, you know, he looks so old there. You he, know, he looks like an old man. <laughs> he looks, yeah. uh, looks like he's in his 70s, like, ah, these damn kids. <laughs> He does, yeah. <laughs> he looks so different. Um, but yeah, the main thing is he gets his team back and they, uh, they fly off. And is that, is that a Batwing he's stolen? It looks like a Batwing. Uh, that looks like one, yeah. If not, just a jet. Uh, uh, there is actually a reference here to the uh, the Black Canary story from the other the one shot, which I'm like, this was enough. I could have just read this panel. And <laughs> the, yeah. Not needed to read the rest of those crappy stories. The Black Canary one was fine, but the rest of them were so bad that I wish I hadn't read the damn thing. Um, so, yeah, the 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 you know, talking about the incoming threat. Uh, things are bubbling up, and the cliffhanger is you know, uh, Deathstroke's coming with his team to kill Tally, which which is what the fake Deathstroke's wanted the whole time. Is he's wanted this is the Shadow War. He wants them to go to war with each other. So yeah, for uh, reasons that will presumably become clearer, but once you know who he is, but. Right now, it's because reasons. Yeah. Right now, being in this issue, not 
obviously, of course. as we're talking about it. Yeah, um, yeah. this is the weird thing about having two of these issues in the same week, is that I do kind of feel like we're rushing through this one a little bit, because all the, the juicy stuff's in the next one. Yeah. So There is a just confirmation that it is a bat plane, because the ninjas tell Talia there's a bat plane ah, on the way. That's right, that's and right. Should they let her land? And he's like, oh yeah, Batman's coming. And then obviously it's Deathstroke. Um, and, and this is where we get um, the uh, Mother Soul being like, yeah, Neja's going to rise. And that's so right. assumingly, Neja is the demon that she's been going on about for, I don't know, six issues in, in, in the Robin book, whatever that yeah. longer is. I think it's interesting to like finally give that demon some name and like a story related to it. So we'll see where this goes in the present day stuff. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one for me because I've been less into that stuff in World's Finest than you were by a quite a margin. Yeah, I mean, Matt, we're both so, pretty into it, I'd say. Yeah, so the Nezha stuff, this this connecting this to that mate, took away some of the the mystery and kind of made it a significantly less interesting for me, at least. But I assume if you've been enjoying that, this is kind of cool. I mean, even if you don't like what they've done with it in World's Finest, there's, there's nothing to say that when it comes up again properly here. Or maybe it, that's a... It, it even comes up in the sense that, you know, okay, the, the, the hope is for them to resurrect Neza or bring him back, but maybe they won't. Maybe it's just cool that we un- have more context for what they're trying to raise because of the other book uh, kind of thing. Maybe, but I think for me, the the imagination of like just that that mysterious demon was more interesting than, than what I've seen of Neja. That's fair. Angel Breaker's outfit's still stupid and... Uh, 90s as shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just... I, I'm not necessarily saying the book is overly sexist or anything, but I will say that outfit just comes from a, a time when outfits for female characters was very per- pervy, <laughs> and this this one falls into that category. So, uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but so, uh, yeah, I guess we'll just read this one and move on to the next issue because I, I don't really have much left to add on this one in particular. Uh, so, yeah, no, wait, wait. I, I'll just give it like a six. It's it's fine. But I'm I'm kind of kind of not loving it. That's fine. Uh, I I'm, I'm definitely more I'll probably more like a seven range. Uh, it's it's kind of weird because we are kind of just like speeding through this one because just the big revelation comes in the next issue and we already have that to talk about. So uh, it's kind of weird. But that will neatly take us I on. Think, oh. I think it's important that they did put those in two separate week like into this into the same mm. week because otherwise that issue would have felt like oh, is that all we're getting this week. Yeah, possibly. It may have felt that way, but it didn't. No, so maybe that was just smart scheduling that yeah. you know these come together. Robbie in issue fourteen is the next part of Shadow War. Joshua Williamson writing again. Roger Cruz on art this time. Um, so the big thing at the end, obviously, is the reveal of who it is, right? And we we build up to it th- throughout the issue. Uh, but there's actually other, a lot of other things in this issue I like and think are are notable. Um, so. They're going with Batman Inc. to try and stop the Shadow War, try and stop Slade and Talia from killing each other. There's some battle fights going on with them, so it does feel like a bit more of a war, this issue. Uh, Deathstroke and Talia go toe-to-toe. They have some, you know, mean words. You know, he calls Damien, like, Batman and Talia's little bastard and things like that. You know, he's he's, he's definitely not pulling back. Uh, There's a moment uh, later on when Ghostmaker and uh, Angel Breaker, like, meet each other, they clearly know each other, and she has a line to the effect of, uh, you say you're better than Batman, but you just wanted to make me your Catwoman uh, before they start fighting. Um, 
I got an odd chuckle out of that, not because I necessarily think it's good, but because it was kind of this weird, like, yeah, that's what's wrong with you. You're, you're just as shit as him because you're both, like, <laughs> like crappy copies of better characters. Yeah, I thought this was really cringy and yeah. just highlighted the problem. I, I kind of, yeah, it was rough, that writing for me. Yeah, that moment. The moment I did love, though, I actually really love Damien and his balls uh, when he decides to jump out the plane. Batman's not giving him a glider. He's like, no, I need you safe. You're going back to Gotham. You're not going down with for this fight. And Damien's like, you're going to have to let it trust me one way or the other. And he just leaps out the plane. I actually thought this moment was kind of badass for Damien. Uh, so obviously mm-hmm. Batman has to jump out and like stop him from dying. But the idea that, well, now we're on the ground. So tough tits, I'm here. Uh, so actually- I like the end result. I like Damien jumping out. A lot of the actual argument before he jumps, I felt was a little bit forced, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Like, like just the idea of Bruce being like, "No, you're staying behind. This is too dangerous." Does like kind of feels that character. If if he'd said because it, oh no, it's, this is too personal for you with Talia, you know, yeah, and you know, uh, Rosa's down there, like stuff like that. I I could see him going that route, but like just too dangerous, and that being the cause of the argument and. Robin having to respond along those lines kind of made it feel like a bit of a forced argument for the sake of some drama to give Damien a reason to just jump out. I mean, I, I, I like the end result, but the page was kind of a, a bit weird for me. I don't know. Like, I like it is a bit of a bullshit argument from Batman, but I think that's kind of the point is that it is bullshit. Um, and Damien kind of tries to qu- very quickly swerves it into is this about Alfred? Is this about, you know, and Batman. You know, he gets to kind of apologize for that shitty thing he said a few issues ago because he said it was, you know, if he yeah. was there, Alfred would never have died. And he's like, look, that was a shitty thing to say. Alfred's death was never your fault. It was mine because I should have been there. Um, but uh, no, I like this this moment. I actually I thought that was a really good big beat. Um, and it made Damien come off like a little badass. Uh, so they run in. Uh, I do like that, you know, immediately Rose, like, sort of. Like, first of all, saves Damien because, like, he's about to be ambushed by a ninja. But then kind of tells him about Respawn. And this is, again, another death for, for Damien to deal with. Because obviously he wasn't super attached to him yet. But this was kind of like a brother. He was kind of, like, forming some, some something with him and his brief interaction with him. So this, again, is another person that's died because of what's went down with, between uh, characters. And it's interesting that Talia is to blame for that death, actually. You know, this under her orders that, you know, everything's going down. So, um, they come in and, uh, the, the writers give Talia the victory here. You know, it seems like Deathstroke's won. She catches the sword, uh, as it's coming down for her. Uh, this is a decent page, action-wise, I thought. And, uh, then stabs Deathstroke, uh, as she yells, I am the dragon. because uh, he said she was chasing the dragon before. Uh, so, it did make sense in context. It wasn't just a silly... It, it did, yeah. Yeah. Um... Because obviously you'd probably be thinking Demon would make more sense, but it, it was set up in the previous page. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was contextual. Um, but yeah, so at this point, like you know, like he didn't kill grandfather. Damien tells Tala, Talia, and she's like, "Well, so <laughs> like at this point, she was just happy to kill him." Uh, and obviously Rose has to f- deal with the fact that her father seemingly lying there dead. Obviously, I suspect that Deathstroke will somehow. I mean, he has a healing factor, and it's a Lazarus pit knocking around, if not. That is very true. And that's when Fake Deathstroke comes in. Um, and there was a nice tease, actually, in the last issue, uh, in Deathstroke Kink, that he's hiding his accent when he was when he was talking to Batman and Robin, which did get me thinking. I was like, oh, oh, 
where's he from? You know, try to make me think of who it was. Uh, so the big reveal here, though, um, as there's it starts to be a bit of an earthquake, which is a bit of a clue as well. Um, he takes off his mask, and the final page reveal is that this is Geoforce, uh, and it sort of builds up to it as well because he starts talking about uh, his country. He starts talking about Markovia. So it's not okay, yeah. you know, it builds up. So if you know who this is, if you're familiar with Geoforce, you'll sort of like get it right before the page reveals. Um, and credit, I think, to Matt, who kind of called this. Did he? He was definitely talking about Geoforce and Markovia recently for some reason. Maybe it wasn't to do with this, but like I thought of Matt when I turned this page. It's possible I wasn't here for when he said this. It's possible. Alternatively, I just don't remember him saying it. Because yes, that's fair. Uh, I, I will... If Matt called it, then fair enough. Do not fear, people. Uh, Matt will be here next week for the final of the story, so we'll get to talk about it properly then. And, and let's be honest, if he called it, he will be smug about it in the <laughs> he, he won't miss that opportunity. That is very true. So uh, we'll get all of Matt's opinions on this being Geoforce uh, next week, but... Um, I mean, I'm okay with this reveal. Like, I, you know, I like I don't necessarily know exactly what his motivations are yet. He's obviously speaking very vaguely about, you know, what what Tally and Deathstroke have done to his family and his country and whatever. But um, I'm sure we'll get more concrete stuff on it. No, no pun intended. Uh, next issue. It feels like, sure, he has some level of motivation, like Tally and Deathstroke have done things, but this still feels like maybe it's excessive. On his part, you think it's excessive yes. that he's going to this plan? This, this is a very elaborate oh, plan. Okay. Uh, I did enjoy the reveal. I enjoyed who this was because it was like I think I was partially worried it was going to be another some you know either I think Grant was like a like somehow Grant's back and he's the fake Deathstroke or so you know there was like those thoughts mm. running through my head that it was going to be someone related to either Deathstroke, Batman, or Talia. Right? It was going to be someone related to them. I was kind of pleased that it's like oh no, it's a character that we've not seen too much of in a long time, and. It brings with him his own mythology and history with the you know the Titans and Markovia, all that stuff is more interesting to me than it being like some other like you know. Ba- basically, I was worried it was going to be like who who the like who respawn turned out to be, which another one of them. Yeah, which I didn't hate. Like uh, you know, ultimately it worked out all right. But like, I'm, I- I'm glad I didn't because that was essentially what they pulled in Batman Inc. with the other Robin clones. Ah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but it was definitely not as exciting as when we were theorizing who that de- who that Deathstroke kid could be, you know, in the Robin tournament. So I'm mm. happy that this turned out to be, oh, this is actually a character who has a history who we can talk about. And when we get some more context of his motivations, we can sort of discuss if that works. If it doesn't, do we like it? Do we not? Whatever. Uh, At face value on the reveal, I don't hate it. I'm not, like, super pumped for it. But like, if they give me some good context in the next issue, I'll be totally fine with it. Also, this is not obviously unique to this reveal. I'm just, but I'm looking at the page of Geoforce, and all I can see when I look at the the letters GF is girlfriend. I don't like. <laughs> I don't know why, but I see GF and I see the I see the word girlfriend popping it in my head. Isn't well, it you've think just Geoforce? clearly not not read enough things with Geoforce in. I don't think it's that. <laughs> I think it's just I see it abbreviated enough online that that's just what GF means. BF and GF, they just mean girlfriend and boyfriend. You just need to read more Geoforce. Recondition your brain. Oh, Geo- Oh yeah, what Geoforce run would you recommend? 
Or, or you, you could sign up to DC Infinite. It, it's launched over here now. You, you, can, you can read all the Geoforce you want. You can uh, read every issue that's ever featured Geoforce. Uh, no, no, no. You, no, you said Geo, what Geoforce books have there been? No, what is he in? Is there any Geoforce... The Geo, did I say read a Geoforce book? I said recommend me a Geoforce run. That's what I said. Connor's doing some quick research to see if there's ever been a miniseries called Geoforce. I, I, I am. I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> Has he never had a solo miniseries, at least? No? I don't know. They're not helping me here with these. Oh, it's a shame. Poor Geoforce. He's, that's you, a, you can that's just a, read lots, lots of The Outsiders. This is why he's going to these lands. He's pissed that he's never had a solo series of any kind. Not even a wee four-issue okay. mini to call his own. That, that could be it. That could be it. Yeah. Mm. What a shame. But he's been in 459 issues. According to Comic Vine. How many is Cold Snap been in? You want me to actually check? <laughs> is it more than a dozen? <laughs> is it even a dozen? <laughs> oh, hang on, I've got two different... Uh, oh, 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 it's significantly more than a dozen. Okay, uh, I'm going to guess 87. Okay, it's less than that, but it's... Okay. What is 49 it? issues. Oh, yeah, not bad! That's, that's, uh... And, fully enough, first appeared in Batman and the Outsiders, which, uh, you know, is, is where you, your boy Geoforce hangs out. <laughs> I found his real name. What, Colsap? Yeah. Daryl. No surname, just Daryl. Just Daryl. <laughs> not not much is known about Cold Snap except that he's in love with fellow teammate Heatstroke. Well, opposites opposites do attract, after all. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I have no idea how up to date this website is. So sure, yeah. That, that Forty nine issues. Well, it's like he's been in a lot of issues recently. Like I think the last time we saw him was probably. And that issue that made us make fun of him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh no, that's not true. Oh, no? When did he pass pop he, up? He was in the other history of the DC Universe. Ah, Yeah, the, uh, okay. the John Ridley one. Oh, yeah, I think he might be... Because uh, he did pop up in Black Lightning, uh, the TV show, and I'm not sure if they changed him or what, but maybe he is just traditionally black and in the comics as well, and that's why he popped up in that. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, my birthday. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Y y your boy called stuff has, has forty nine appearances. We can celebrate at uh, the next one. The, the, he, 50. 50th appearance. The next time he shows up in a comic, DC, give it to us. Give us that fiftieth cold snap appearance. You give it a one shot. Fiftieth appearance special. All right. What are you what are you rating, Robin? Fourteen. Um, I think I'll give it a seven. I think it's better than the previous issue. I think that it helps that it's coming to a, towards a conclusion, so it's starting to actually give some answers, and I think the art is significantly better than, than Pantalina's art, unfortunately. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I would like, I guess I'll, I'll, I may even... I might be tempted to stretch this to any. I'll eat the, some of the stuff earlier on more than you did uh, with Robin and Batman, and... I dig that this actually felt like there was actually this, the Shadow War was happening finally. It felt like there was actually a conflict like playing out in a big mm -hmm. battle. 
and uh, I enjoyed Rose and Damien's interactions again, and them talking to uh, her t- interaction with Batman, and then ultimately the uh, the fight with Tally and Slade. I think was mostly pretty good. I think the the ending of it was was particularly well handled and felt quite you know. Uh, I don't know if epic's the right word, but it felt like a nice tense fight where, like, she got a one-up at the end, so it felt kind of cool. Um, maybe it's because that sword, like, catch move was very similar to the season two finale of the hit television show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, when the monster in Jealous tries to, uh, strike Buffy with a sword, and she closes her eyes and goes with that with her hands and catches the sword right in front of her face. Right, very similar to what Talia Please, pulled off here. Put me on my misery. <laughs> I'm so glad I have to listen to this bullshit for at least two weeks <laughs> so easy and this isn't even the vampire book I know that's the problem <laughs> oh, they gave me an easy one later as well I, they've, they've just laid me up for a, a nice little just, two point, you've pointer you've wasted later. your reference why do you? Why you, are you, you get under, one? No, you get zero. one. Why are you under this uh, this idea that I can only do one per episode? This is not a rule. It is. Uh, it is. You get one. <laughs> All right. Uh, eight out of ten for me on a uh, Robin issue forty. Okay. Wait, finally, Clark can stop being a moody little prick and start being positive because it's time to talk about the Swamp Thing issue thirteen. Ram V. What? What do you mean, stop being moody? I've been positive on multiple books. Ah, you've been like, well, okay, maybe action, but you, you've, been, you've been on the negative side of everything else. Um, I mean, maybe, but I did give action on 8.5, so screw you. <laughs> the Swamp Thing, issue 13, Ram V writing, Mike Perkins on the art. How do you follow up a 10 with something that clocks in about a 9? <laughs> Quite comfortably. <laughs> Yeah. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm, I'm not complaining. I am not complaining. This is an excellent issue. It's absolutely fantastic. Is it, is it a 9 or is it another 10? Um, <laughs> let's find out, shall we? Uh, we'll delve in. So, Gabbett, uh, Levi, and uh, Jessica lying in bed, and he's kind of explaining, you know, his malaise and why he was just sort of being a tree <laughs> for a while. Just chilling. <laughs> Effectively. Uh, but of course, if, yeah, but ultimately he says that, like, he has to. You know, morality lies in making choices. That's the line on page three that I really liked, uh, is that you can't just sort of be impartial and stay off to the side and feel like you're doing the right thing. Um, is that you have to actually make good choices uh, to to be good and have an impact in the world. Because he thought, and we saw this with the, the one rose that he was kind of keeping uh, in, the, in the corrupted green. Uh, but the, the idea that, you know, he has to, that if, if he could keep one thing alive, that he would be doing something good. But ultimately, that's not true. Uh, he has to come out and make a difference. So he ends up with uh, Jack Hawksmoor. Uh, Hawk, there you go. I can forget his name. Uh, the guy who's one with the cities, right? The one who's like connected to cities. Um, and this factory, the factory, has like sort of like manifested and sort of come alive again underneath Detroit. And obviously, we expect this is connected to the rise of the new parliament, the Parliament of Gears. You know, the industry. Uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to the green and all that uh, which is the stuff that me and Matt were just like fawning over last issue and like the, the conceptually how great this is it's a man-made uh, you know right that's kind of what this, this back half of this run has turned into is, yeah. is the idea of 
man's effect on the, the planet and the ecosystem and how it's changing the balance of everything. Yeah, and there's new forces coming in as well. We have this, and then we have obviously the Trinity one, which we'll talk about when we get to that page. That's it's, uh, it's a little bit reminiscent for me of stuff that like uh, American Gods. I can see that. Um, you have like, the, the new gods of the media coming in and kind of changing things. Yeah, I kind of hinted this last issue. I tried to stay away from it too much because I didn't want to spoil it for Matt, but since he's not here, I got so much Twin Peaks Season 3 vibes last week i was i was like oh i was like yes give it to mm. me swamp thing meets it. twin peaks i'm into it um yeah so yeah so basically yeah, this is corrupt and it's feeding off the energy and everything from the city and one of the things swamp thing tells him to do is to like you know maybe try and get the cities to like you know disconnect it from this because it's it's basically because it doesn't have the resources to like build because all this thing cares about is producing it's just keep going keep enduring and producing things and that's why it's like started stealing like homeless people and making things out of them and it's really horrific like the body horror stuff here that it's kind of like implying that it's doing this like there's like a like a box like a metal box whatever it is that, that starts you know turning into stuff that it's got the face coming in yeah. the eye god that, that's creepy as shit it's proper horrific it's kind of tetsu the iron man but it's actually mixing in like proper flesh as well and it's like you know it's just this awful horrific stuff that you know what I love. Um, so yeah, they, they try and they shut off this factory, which involves Swamp Thing fighting this sort of half metal, half flesh kind of like avatar for mm-hmm. for industry. Um, and they they do seemingly succeed. And there's some great pages here, and uh, just just the fight uh, when uh, you know Jack gets involved and he's got like the lightning coming from his eyes, and like it's just really fun stuff that feels really moody and atmospheric. And then after they win, Swamp Thing kind of, you know, puts his hand down and sort of fills fills this building up again with green. You know, like, the, the green's supposed to reclaim derelict buildings, not industry, not, like, you know, the stuff that was, like, put there and comes alive again. Uh, so he goes to the Parliament of Trees to talk to them, and uh, we actually cut to the Trinity stuff here, uh, so I guess we'll jump over to that before we talk about the rest of that. Uh, yeah, okay. So this Trinity is stuff another is... Another new avatar. Another new avatar. Uh, this is fascinating. You know, Matt did some research last week and found that uh, the name isn't just like this random thing they've picked. It comes from like what this stuff is called that was created when the nuclear bombs went off. Um, mm. But she's this glittery, kind of like sparkly being uh, created out of like the bombs. And this guy finds her in the desert. He lives out here and he thinks she's cold. So even though she looks different, he like is kind to her, gives her, gives her his coat offers her food and drink. She doesn't need that, but she, you know, plays along. But when she gets up the next day, this guy's dead. Because she is emitting... Presumably intense radiation poisoning. Yes. Uh, she is completely radioactive. Uh, you know, break out the dosimeter because... Uh, <laughs> because this is potentially worse than Reactor 4. Um, uh, it's a Chernobyl <laughs> reference for anyone who didn't get that. Um, and... You know, it, and do you know what? This is the thing I love with these, uh, these Swamp Thing books, is I love, like, sometimes it's just, sometimes it's the right occasion for the third-person narration. You know, not not the first-person. You go the the more omnipotent first third-person narrator who is talking about this as if it's, like, sort of written in stone kind of thing. And it works in other contexts. You know, I like it with Superman. Like, it makes Superman feel like a godlike being in, in many mm-hmm. ways if you have someone else talking about his impact rather than it's, him speaking it directly. feel other. Yeah, uh, and I think it really works with these beings, these avatars, because uh, it f- makes them feel like these elemental, ethereal things. Um, 
But you get this horror. This is so so sad. Yeah, because she doesn't seem like she's like like inherently evil. And one of the things here that's interesting is she's walking down this like town that's nearby. Uh, like they immediately get scared and they take out their guns. They start shooting her. And there's a moment where she looks at this kid and she realizes that the kid had a toy in his hand and then like all the, the the adults have these guns in their hands so it's like a toy or something that's designed to kill someone and she has this kind of moment where she's like, she's like do i have to decide what i'm going to be am i going to be something that's used for happiness or something that's going to be used for death and destruction like there's a line where she totally contemplates like which which way do i go what do i decide i'm going to be so i don't know if this is going to be a thing where this avatar and what force she represents can like choose to be you know better or worse because she did see an act of human kindness from the man to begin with she is and she has done nothing inherently evil like the killing the man was an accident it wasn't it was just yeah. a it was just a cause of who she is or what she is not anything that she consciously did to to hurt him that were, you know so uh, she's definitely not villainous in in any sense of the word right now yeah, and she could be. She could be insanely villainous if she chooses to be. But she, you know, she carries this man's dead body back and is immediately attacked. You know, she's she's trying to like she's just trying to find them to get help. Yeah. yeah. Uh. So it's actually kind of sweet. And then you know, there's this moment where even when she's been shot at, she's looking at the kid and she's weighing up this choice. Um. So yeah, here's the lines here, just because I really like this little this couple of boxes of narration. Uh. Before her, in the man's hand, she sees a gun and the child's a toy. A fine thing it's made, uh, is to be made, she thinks to herself. But the choice is hers now, she understands, to be a thing of joy or a thing of final consequence. So, uh, and given that she comes, like, she she's created from a nuclear bomb, effectively, or multiple nuclear bombs going off, that's, like, her inception, it's kind of interesting to think of her choosing to be not a weapon, uh, or not destructive. Right, I, I, the choice she clearly has is, the, it's it's the analogy of okay, she can be a nuclear bomb, or she could power a nuclear reactor and give mm. the world clean energy, right? Presumably, that's like the in theory the the kind of the extremes of where she could go. Yeah, what one is useful and will benefit everyone, the other one uh, will just murder a lot of people. Yes. So, yeah, um, love this. And do you know the fact is that last issue was a ten before that Trinity thing at the end even happened. That last issue was a ten, and then it gave us this cast couple of pages where it was like, oh, this is super intriguing on top of everything else. Yeah. So, you know, uh, wonderful stuff. Uh, and then we go to the Parliament of Trees, and they're talking about this new Parliament of Gears, the, the industry rising. And, you know, there's this great page of, uh, oh, what did they call them last issue? I forgot. You just read it. You should remember. Uh, the, the pale... Yeah, yeah. It was it was a combination of uh, the Pale Wanderer and it was oh God, because it was the guy who's, who's yeah. who he took over, wasn't it? Oh God, okay, it doesn't matter now. But it was it was good stuff. But he's like sitting there at the bottom and kind of like a throne made of gears, <laughs> effectively. Uh, and the Parliament are talking about him, how everything's changing, and they're effectively at war with this new Parliament. And it's revealed that they're actually turning to Jacob to fight it, his brother. And he walks in, he's like, no, he's better suited for this. Um, and his brother calls him weak because he tried to save him, you know, and it's like this idea that you're not right for this, um, and hits him away, and he, he, you know, Levi becomes more human during this moment, and I'm not sure if it's implying here that he's actually lost. It is, yes, 100%. You think it's 100% doing that? Um, but he turns back into human, as, uh, Jacob, he keeps the kind of the horns, but it becomes more Swamp Thing-esque, uh, as he walks away. 
And it's actually this the, the one member of the parliament who looks like a young girl, uh, but is a member of the parliament, says, no, when we were picking a new avatar, like, it was me that wanted you. And you have an ally in me still, and, you know, when you turn to me, I'll still be here for you. You know, I, I don't have as much power as the, the parliament combined. I can't, like, you know, give you everything, but... Uh, so it's this idea that there is someone hoping for the better, and the reason why she picked them was because she remembered, like, them swinging from the tree as kids, and she used to wish that, like, it was her branches that were swinging from. It's actually kind of this oddly sweet thing, mm. like... I don't know. I don't remember a time when the parliaments had like individual personalities, and there's one that's been more sympathetic. I don't know if I've, I remember an occasion like that before. I have either. Uh, but that, that's that's interesting. Uh, so basically, it's this hope that eventually they will like turn to Levi again. That they need Levi's compassion rather than than a war. And I think the idea that this is where maybe the Trinity stuff comes in is they're going to need someone to appeal to her to make the right choice, as opposed to just fight her. And I think that's maybe but they're reacting out of fear right now and don't yeah. and are just in panic stations and quick. Let's get our own weapons ready. Yeah, and I don't think they even necessarily know, but maybe they do know about Trinity, but they don't talk about Trinity here. They just talk about uh, the gears, you know, that that side of things. Yeah. So I think maybe that's why they're going to have to turn back to him. But uh, I think he still has a connection to the green, though, because I think that's what makes the ending still work. Because I think she, I think he does just through this one member of the parliament, though. Mm. He's not an avatar anymore he is not a swamp thing but, I th- but maybe he has just a, a, a touch yeah i think he's still connected to it and he can still sense things because when he comes home and uh jesse's like hey someone's here to see you and it's, it's hal jordan and he's like hey we've got a situation um and the final page is them out and there's like these big plant like beings floating through space uh and he says they're here to fight a war. So he can still sense, you know, like the purpose of these these plants. So there's still a connection to the green uh, of some sorts. Uh, so that's interesting. And it makes me wonder if the green are actually enlisting alien plant life to come and help. That's kind of the implication I got here. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, I don't know how much it is he is actually sensing this and how much it's just he knows the plan from before, like you know, just before mm-hmm. he was kind of cut off and stopped being in the Avatar. Is these are, this, is the, this is the green's army. Yeah, I I thought he was sensitive, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you could argue either way, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm sure I'll be clear next issue. Yeah, but it, it um, could go either way. Because I think him having that one member of the parliament still like, on his side means that he, he will still, you know, sense the green in some way. Yeah, I I think it like I like the last page. Mm-hmm. I think you could almost cut it and just end on the Hal Jordan page and just end there, and it still works. Yeah, but I've yeah. got a situation in my hands, and we just explain this, you know, alien plant war starting next time. Like you, you, you don't need that right now. Yeah, um, maybe it's just like a sort of like page count thing where they realised, you know, we have to go one be, page yeah. further. Yeah, because uh, that would work as a cliffhanger. Just Hal being there in that full page spread, saying, "I need, I need your help." You it, know? it feels like a final page, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, some minor quibble in the grand scheme of things, though. Uh. I, I really can't emphasize enough how much I love the idea of the the industry rising as one of the new powers and Trinity's story so far. Like, all of that stuff. Like, I think the mythology that he's adding to film thing here is fantastic. Like, and yeah. I, I said this last issue, but, like, it, it really does feel like these last six issues are going to be the best thing of the whole run, and I'm so thankful that we're getting them. <laughs> and that says a lot, given that the first ten were all oh, pretty yeah. excellent. I mean, it's one big story, and it all all comes to you know, it's all part of one thing. But ultimately, all my favorite stuff, I think, is actually coming in this last chunk. 
based on these yeah. last few issues. So I, I mean, last issue before this was a ten, and the one before that was like a nine. Yes. So yeah, I mean, and the clearly, art, clearly the, this is up there. Yeah, and the art is phenomenal. I think the. The stuff in the Trinity section especially, because obviously there's a lot of fun, grotesque stuff when they're fighting the Avatar, the industry, uh, or the Guardian, whatever it is, that they're fighting this mesh and, of, like, flesh and metal. But the Trinity stuff is, I think, where you get all this, like, sort of subtle emotion of, like, this being contemplating the kindness that's been shown to her, the way this man's looking at her, which is just of, like, oh, I need to help her. Um, like, there's so much, like, sort of communicated in those in the art and the emotions of, like, just w- what the characters are thinking and how they're reacting to each other. And the narration is there, but the narration isn't necessarily overly, like, prodding up, propping up what the art's doing. It's, it's kind of, like, telling its own side of it, in a, in a, in a way. So, uh, the art is really strong here across the board in that sense. And because we do get this very different, and she's a very different character, she's, even though, obviously, there's a potential for her to be very horrific in what she's doing to people with the radiation, She's a very pretty thing to look at in terms of like all the sparkly colors and the, you know, it's very, uh, it's, it's it's like a walking Nolan lights in some ways kind of thing. Um, whereas obviously all the stuff with the the industry and the factory is, you know, Tetsu the Iron Man meets like David Cronenberg <laughs> meets other stuff. <laughs> like it's it's you know, so it's, great, it's yeah. wonderful. So and I uh, I just checked the name. Uh, Pilgrim was what we were looking for. Pilping Pilpingrum. Pilgrim, yeah. Bill Pingrel. There you go. Yeah. Just for the sake of it. But it's, it's a little bit different, obviously, you know, because Wanderer is, you know, by, by design, it's like, okay, it's just out there doing its thing, but Pilgrim has a, uh, a Pilgrim has a purpose. Oh, yeah, that's the dream. Spread. That's probably why it's such a good name, is because it's, it's it's obviously the man's name, but it's like a, got a double meaning uh, yeah. to replace Wanderer, so. um, But yeah. No, wonderful issue. What are you uh, giving it? I'm going to give it like a 9.5. I'm basically just knocking like half a point off for that like <laughs> last page where I'm like, oh, I didn't need that last page here. I would have preferred the ending just to end on Hal. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, it's hard to... I'm just going to go with a straight nine. Basically for the same reason. Um, I just don't want to over overblow the ratings a bit too. I'm, keep, I'm keeping restrained and just going with a straight 9. But I gave the last one a 10, so like, you know, we're, we're, we're in like an all-time Swamp Thing story at this point and... Oh, for sure. Like, I, I, I could not it's really gonna, be happier. It, it's going to be remembered as such. Yeah. Uh, so I think this will be something we're propping up uh, and awards at the end of the year and you know, next time we hit a milestone and we're doing a, what's the best of everything since we started the show, this is going to be comfortably and contention for high up on that list, so... It, it probably would have been even from just the first 10 issues, but now with this, it's easily. Yeah, so... There you go, that's Swamp Thing issue 13. Task Force Z issue 8, Matthew Rosenberg writing with Jackson Herbert on the art. Uh, this is an interesting issue, because the, uh, the last issue ended with like the realisation we need more of the Lazarus resin, and the only sample we know of is the one that Jason gave Batman, so they're going to have to rob Batman. So this issue is Two-Face and, like, Solemn Grundy and uh, the scientist chick dressed up as one of the other villains to try and just create a distraction that will lure out Batman so that Jason can go to the, the new Batcave and, and steal it. Uh, but the majority of the issue is actually Jason 
with first Babs, who's there, and he thinks he's tricking her, but like she knows what he's doing. Uh, and then Dick's there to confront him, and then Tim shows up, and then Cass shows up. And I will say that Cassie's entrance is hilarious because uh, he's taking on Dick and, and Tim, and he's kind of like being cocky. He's like, you think I'm scared of you two? And then like Cash shows up in the next panel and just says hello, and he just goes, shit. <laughs> the, the implication being that he's actually scared of Cass. And uh, it, it plays a really fun fun moment. Um, it's kind of a... Like, I, I mostly enjoyed the issue, but it's got a bit of a weird vibe to it. Because I, I don't know if I like the idea that Jason's holding his own against Dick, Cass, and Tim at the same time, and effectively outsmarts them a little bit by the end of the issue by getting away and... Um, they're kind of frustrated by it at the end, and it plays as this joke moment. But maybe it's just my inherent disliking of Jason Todd compared to the others, but I don't like him being able to take on, like, the rest of them <laughs> and win and kind of, like, get, be able to gloat about it. I don't know. It felt a little bit... Even though I'm growing to like him more because he's getting some decent stories recently and, like, people are writing him better as kind of the uh, the outlaw bat, it did feel a bit annoying. Like, I, I don't mind him, like, one-on-one with dick fine like he can he can win the fight if you want um but you know he, he breaks tim's nose which is you know referenced a lot and it's kind of funny because he keeps saying you broke my nose dude um but at the same time like he's also taking on cast and kind of like winning and he claims he was holding back as well uh, by the end um i, I don't know it, it's, it's it's a little bit of like Look at how great Jason is that he's, he's, he's doing all this against everyone else kind of thing. Uh, maybe a little bit too much in that side of things uh, for, for me. Um, so they are here. Jackson Herbert is doing a good job of sort of mimicking because it, it was um, like Barrows for the first however many issues. I don't know if he's just gone now permanently, but... Uh, I mean, the art's fine. It's, it is actually fairly consistent with what was there before. It's, it's sticking to the same tone, by and large. It's a little cleaner, uh, I would say, but uh, it's not too bad. Uh, some more fun stuff, uh, like mad scientist stuff with a uh, with a uh, bloom, where he's doing experiments on man bat. He's actually got man bat right now with a, hu- a human head, but a, a man bat body, uh, because he's experimenting on him and he's doing lots of crazy shit. Uh, and there's a joke here that he's actually got five different experiments on him, but then he whispers to this this guy who's shown up, and he's like, no, it's actually six, he doesn't know about the parasite. Uh, just some dark humour, which is kind of the thing that's been the main, obviously, honestly, kind of the main appeal of this book in a lot of ways, is the dark humour of, like, everything Bloom's been doing and all the rest of what's going on. Um, all the Bat Family fighting stuff is entertaining at points. Like I say, Cassie's entrance was really funny. Um... The jokes about Tim's nose been broken is also kind of funny, but you know him outsmarting the entire team. I, I mean, I don't mind the outsmarting part too much because the idea that he's passed what he stole to like a like what looked like a, just like a random woman on the street, but is actually like an ally is, is fine. Like that's how he gets the the stuff. The idea that he's going to like get beat by the rest of the Bat family, but he snuck out the thing in time is totally fine. Um, but he he, he kind of does a little too well against the rest of the team. And I just wasn't necessarily feeling like... It felt like you were kind of downplaying how great, like, three of your other characters are by having Jason go over on them. Uh, so, maybe a little bit of that. Uh, but are significantly medium places. Um, Task Force Z have successfully gotten the resin. Uh, and Jason kind of Batman's out the scene because they're fighting like a, tra- like a train station by the end of the issue. And 
uh Teelix sort of like gets on a speeding train seemingly in the background and the last line is is dick saying you gotta be kidding me so it's mostly played for laughs so yeah it's fine but it was it was making jason feel a little bit like uh super jason this issue I had, a, I had a guy at work this week tell me that Jason was his favourite DC character. I told him <laughs> we can't be friends anymore. <laughs> you sick scum, how dare you? Yeah, I was like, what's wrong with you? Um, like, he's, he's cool. I'm like, I don't like you anymore. I mean, does he also like anime? I'm just building a picture he does, here. He does. He does like anime. Oh uh, but I like anime, so that's fine. No, it's not fine. This is like the horrible concoction of a person that you're describing There's here. lots of great anime. No, there isn't. I mean, yes, there is. No, there isn't. Anime fans our are audience, wrong. Our audience will disagree with you on this one. <laughs> like, I have to accept just how much of our audience probably likes at least some anime. Yeah. I'm a little disgusted by it, but I, you know what? I'll accept it. I'll put up with it. But just know that deep down, I'm a little disgusted. <laughs> it's okay. You could be disgusted about irrational fears. Uh, praising trash like Akira. Um, anyway. Um, it was great. Convoluted trash. That's what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, that's what I said. Issue 8. Uh, fine enough issue. I, I'm actually ashamed that I don't get to hear what Matt's think, thoughts on this were. Because I'm, I'm wondering if he felt the same way I did about Jason being a bit too good at everything. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But, uh, uh, just tweet him and find out. I, I will give this... I'll probably still give it like a 7 though, because it's, it's still like a perfectly f- crafted issue. And there's the funny moments. The, the humour that's been there that I've enjoyed and what's made this book kind of fun to read is still there. Both in the interactions with the main characters and also the Bloom stuff, just him being like a crazy mad scientist who's completely off his rocker. Like, yeah. Fun, fun enough stuff, so. That's cool. Alright. Uh, DC versus Vampires Hunters issue one. So this is a, a one shot, which actually does. Like, I, I thought it might be set further ahead, or it might be more it's a little bit ahead, but not much. But it, it kind of feels like. I mean, maybe the next issue of the main series won't necessarily be after this, but it does kind of feel like this is set after a lot of the big revelations that happened just in the main book. So I it's... am, I am shocked. I managed to go because I, I only read issue six mm. just before this. I am shocked I managed to all that time without spoiling it. Oh, that's quite impressive. I, I had no idea. And it was a really well done issue, I thought. I mean, uh... That was great, yeah. Matt was conflicted. He, he kind of hated it, but he, he liked it, but he hated it. Did he hate it because he, <laughs> he doesn't like the idea of Dick being that? The, the villain, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I guess, uh... Refer to our previous discussion, because I don't remember it that well, but... <laughs> um... It was, uh, I really like that issue. This issue is kind of interesting because it does kind of feel like this kid could just be the next main issue. And because if that, if this is considered a side one shot, then what's the rest of the main story? Like, I feel like the next main book is just going to pick up kind of after this, or yeah, but unless you unless we're switching perspectives entirely, we're actually like following vampires in the main book for the next, oh, maybe, yeah, Uh, or we're following other characters who are surviving. Because uh, maybe that was the end of the bat side of the story, so this was kind of like a sort of follow up to that, and then the main book's going to like start veering into just more Green Arrow with doing other stuff with them. Be, yeah. Uh, so I don't know, but uh, so this is like in a world where vampires have kind of taken over, and the the interesting part is that Damien is a vampire and seemingly does kill Martian Manhunter at the start, but it turns out that he's actually working with Martian Manhunter and the other humans, even though he is a vampire, and he's drinking. Pig's blood, 
Hmm. What other vampire drinks pig's blood? Because they're actually a good vampire. None, ever. No, there's at least one that springs to mind. It's never happened in the history of vampire fiction. Oh, is it not? No, no. Not the uh, the main first love interest in the hit television show. But for the vampire slayer. No, Angel? Happened. No, Angel the vampire with a soul. Um, no. So I, I, immediately, of course, when they revealed this, that Damien's actually a bit of a double agent and he's still working with the humans, even though he's a vampire. It was like, okay, so why though? Like, why is he still good? Like... It's interesting because Damien, of course, has got the attitude and he's a little shithead, so it's kind of interesting that he's the only vampire who's not evil. <laughs> and it, it kind of answers that over the issue, though. It, it does to an extent, yeah. It, it's, it's still a little open because it kind of sounds like it's just because he had the good influence of Alfred to kind of keep him being good. Hey, Alfred is that good. We know this. It is. I mean, I do feel that there should be a little more to it just because I feel like, wait, so you can just, like, like be good. If, you, if, if a vampire has a good influence, they'll still be good because... Only, it seems like maybe only, like, if it's just after they've turned, though. Yeah, because, you know, it's not like all the other characters who have turned immediately evil weren't, didn't have, like, lots of good influence before that point. Yeah, I assume this is to do with being a good influence and knowing they're a vampire and, like, mm. actively working against that as opposed to just, you know, the general being good people that most of our yeah. heroes are. But there, there is an irony to Damien being the one... Who this is, right? <laughs> like because he is the one who is aggressively the least like heroic in the traditional sense. I mean, he's still yeah. good, but you know, he's he's got the attitude. He he's sort of like maybe fought. Maybe maybe you could argue that his past of like having to fight the conditioning that Talia and Raz put into him, where they wanted him to be a killer, and he had to like actively fight that once he met Bruce. Uh, you could sort of maybe argue that sort of set him up to like be able to fight this in a weird way. Yeah. So I, I mean. There's ideas there. Uh, the whole issue is then effective about them sneaking in. Uh, the idea that Dick, who's the ruler of the vampires, will only speak to someone if they've got like something good to show them, like someone who he wants to be captured. So he brings them what looks like to be Alfred, but it's actually Martian Manhunter, of course, uh, impersonating Alfred. Dick is already predicted and knows that Damien's working with the good guys, but he goes through a bit of a charade. Uh, we get Vampire Grod, Zaz, and Wonder Girl. Uh, showing up here i love the, the the panel where they're all just flying off the side of the building mm, yeah uh and, and, and dick's just at the top just in his in his brooding vampire black cape he, he he's definitely watched the underworld movies one too many times i do like the uh, subtle nightwing logo on the back that you see later mm, that was nice nice little touch uh but there is this interesting thing here where dick does let them go at the end you know he's he he accepts that they'll leave and they'll never see him again um and just to actually make a, a, a genuine comparison i do think the the way the vampires dust is very buffy-esque just in the way they kind of like explode into dust and you see the skeleton inside yeah it's very similar kind of effect i form. actually loved the the layout though those two pages as damien's running so he's, he's oh, running yeah, through good, the yeah. hallway going through all the vampires and then you have the vertical split of him dropping down all the floors um, yeah, uh, I especially like that first page with the, the hallway with him like dusting the vampires as he's running that like across. Yeah, I really like that page as well. But I like the the touch on the second page was just showing us what floor he's on by just you know seeing the the, the numbers on the doors behind him as he as he flies mm. through and it still works down in a diagonal motion. It's such a good flow. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, so yeah, he's, he's, Black Mask is a vampire. He stakes him as well, so he's gone. Um. 
and then ultimately Damien has to protect uh, Alfred, and he gets burned yeah. severely. Uh, UV light on the in the flames from fire. Yeah, and so he, he, and it looks. Joey, it, it looks like it looks like uh, like Jason Voorhees actually when he's when he gets all burned, like like young young Jason Voorhees. I can see it. That's what it looks like. Uh, but uh, you know, Alfred's like, bait me. You need strength. Bait me uh, to make yourself better. Uh, and he does. He's reluctant, but he does. Um, so we get this like moment where Alfred comes face to face with Dick, with the evil vampire Dick Grayson. Um, so, and he says, you know, Damien, you know, he, he was able to fight it because he had Alfred. Um, and he's like, no, I want you to make sure you can take care of him, and you can have a choice here uh, to leave. But that that's it, you know? Like, you know, t- he has hoped that one day humans and vampires can live in some kind of harmony. Uh, and I guess the reason the motivation why vampires want that in some extent is that humans need to still exist for food. <laughs> like, they need yeah. humans to exist. So Yeah, that was a big problem in a lot of vampire world domination stories that yeah. gets overlooked. You, you do have some of them that address it, but it is definitely overlooked in a lot of them. Yeah. Um... And this, this does seem, I mean, I don't know if humane is the right word, but like, uh, like, uh, so there's a, there's a story in season three of Buffy where they go to like an alternate world where vampires have taken over and their tactic for like dealing with it is they actually breed humans and they want to like, just treat them like cattle where they actually just try to like turn it into like a, almost like uh, a winery. The, ma- the Matrix approach. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Where they've just got like a, a thing where they're, they're just like, they've got, they've got human blood on tap because they're starting to farm humans effectively. Uh, yeah. so interesting thing and don't rule your right i'm making genuine comparisons here for the sake of conversation i don't know if you are right i, I had my two fun ones that were there a and you and for the pop for the cheap pop for the audience who loves the the hit television show references there's no audience that loves this they do we got a complaint on twitter because i brought up buffy a few weeks ago and didn't say hit television show <laughs> so, actually we did yes um which i, I apologize profusely for right that's, that's you know do you know how you can solve that? <laughs> no, that's not an option. <laughs> you know exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, but it's not an option. Uh, uh, so. I, I, I think just never mention it again is a perfectly safe option. Hmm. Yeah. So, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's basically dicks like, you know, you can kill me, but, you know, that will not end well and it'll just cause chaos. But if I let you walk out, you'll never get another chance to kill me, but you get to keep Damien alive and look after him and, uh, hopefully we have a better future. So there is this thing that, you know, there is like this idea that Dick still wants some good things, but he is still a vampire. <laughs> and, you know, so it, it adds a bit of some layers to this like dynamic between him and his old family that are still alive in some form. Yeah, uh, that's kind of fun. I'm, I'm, I'm digging it. Um, yeah, obviously, I mean, you could debate that this, the only reason why this is called something different and not an issue numbers because it's a, a different artist. But at the same time, uh, we had co-artists on the last couple We did have co-artists in the last issues. And also, I assume that this is separate in the sense that this was not... You know, because the, the original story was like, you know, by Tain and, and then Rosenberg came in to finish it, right? Um, yes. Tain so, gave it the, the, the outline of the ideas. So I have to uh, assume that this one shot and then this miniseries that's going to be run alongside the second half of it is they're all new sort of add-ons that Rosenberg's come up with, so... Yeah, because this doesn't have Tynan's name attached to it in any capacity. No. So this is entirely Rosenberg's brainchild of, oh, what if? What if yeah, we did this? 
Which is cool, because he's fleshing it out. He's, you know, he's adding more stuff to it that makes some sense. And, and, and I would argue that this relationship that he set up here between Vampire Damien, who's being good, Alfred, and Vampire Dick, the, you know, the overlord, has added some dynamics here that I think make this all a bit richer, which is good. So, yeah. Yeah. So, well, win-win and all those things. Uh, and, uh, and the arts are actually very good, so uh, I wasn't missing uh, Schmidt, even though Schmidt's great. No, it's it's very different, but because it's not trying to be the same thing, I didn't feel like it was, oh, this is just not Schmidt. Uh, I wasn't getting that feeling because it was... I mean, how was that? Okay, it's in a separate one-shot book, so it doesn't feel like it's connected anyway, but also that it's just good enough on its own right. Yeah, a lot of Angel Damien's action sequences of like going down the building, dusting vampires was uh, was pretty awesome. Uh, so cool. Uh, what are you giving DC versus Vampires Hunters issue one? Uh, I'll probably give it an eight. I'm I'm digging it. I, I'm I'm glad we got more of these kind of I won't say Elseworlds, but you know, just out of continuity stories that we're getting recently. I've got an Elseworld. I mean, it's not that banner, but no, yeah, it is. That's what it is, really. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll give it eight point five. Uh, I, I a lot of fun. Added some layers to this storytelling, and I love how it's playing with these characters and who they are in this context. So, um, yeah, cool stuff. All right, uh, Batman Fortress issue one. Gary Witter uh, rating with Derek Robertson on the R, and you didn't read this because you had so much to catch up on that you had to. I, I did plan on reading it, but yeah. Yeah, I just got caught up with all the extra books, and us recording a day earlier than than usual just meant it wasn't wasn't feasible to hit in, unless you wanted to wait another fifteen minutes for us to start, which I'm assuming you didn't. <laughs> the basic gist of this is that there's a blackout. It's already started, right? So the issue starts, and it's just you know Gotham's already in darkness, and it starts off interest in the context with uh, some some thieves who are breaking into Wayne Manor. It's like, hey, all these security is going to be down. Let's go in and steal some shit. And of course, Alfred and Bruce uh, take care of them. It's actually more Alfred than Bruce, to be honest. Alfred, like, you know, you know, takes one of them down. Uh, and it's like, okay, all right, okay. And then from there, it's like, okay, this isn't just Gotham. The entire world is blacking out, right? All the major cities are going down. Something's doing this to the planet. And Bruce is going to go and investigate it. And, you know, this year is like him going to see Gordon, who's got a bunch of batteries rigged up to the, the bat signal so they can turn the bat signal on. Uh, a bunch of car batteries, that is. So... Some fun premise stuff here. I will say this, though. I kind of hated this issue more as it went on. Um, oh. And it comes down to a couple of key, somewhat related things in the dialogue and the narration. So, first thing, the easiest one to talk about is the very awkward pop culture references that started to really annoy me. Um, there's one early on that's not too bad, but it's just it felt a bit forced where, like, Gordon says this is... He doesn't say The Purge, but he basically that's what he's talking about. He says, oh, it's a bit like that movie where all crime is legal for one night. And then Batman turns around and says, wait, that's a movie? And he's like, yeah, you don't get out much with that cape, do you? And I'm like, oh, that felt really awkward and clunky. And it wasn't like things felt too off before that, but that just really stuck out as feeling, eh. Mm. Um, so I didn't like that. Um, but then it got worse later. It, it joked, so because Arkham's also lost power, like everyone's out. So there's like a couple of quick things that happen. There's a scene where Joker's like like kidnapped like a school bus. So he's riding the school bus, and that's fine, whatever. It's not a Joker story. He's just here for like one scene of like this chaos happening because all the Arkham villains are out. Uh, but he turns round, and I actually didn't mind him making the reference itself because he turns round and says, uh, 
skills out forever and i was like oh you know what okay that's a reference but i'll, I'll buy joker making that reference it kind of fits in context that he's referencing that song um but then like he it keeps going like he says wait no alice cooper fans here ah kids today and their music taste or something to that effect and i'm like well no no no, no you've, you've, you've overdone it now like you're you're actually pointing out that Joker cares about Alice Cooper and he's mad that the kids don't like Alice Cooper. It's too... Like, Joker doesn't care about music. <laughs> like, this is this is too uh, humanizing. I don't know, actually. I, I, I'm not about saying that? that he cares. But the way you've just described that, it sounds a lot like Hamill's Joker in our series. Okay. Where he would say a joke and then be like, and then be like oh, really? Come on. You know, he, he'd, he'd kind of... Be disappointed that people aren't laughing along with it. Admittedly, maybe it's because they'd already dropped a pop culture reference or two. That at this point, I was really like noticing this. Yeah, maybe maybe it's the pop culture angle to it that, that's bothering you. But the the idea of Joker again, it's not that he's caring that yeah that they don't know Alice Cooper. It's more that they're not laughing along with him. That's very much kind of straight out of Hamill's Joker stuff. Yeah. So, so the pop culture references were bugging me. Um, and there's some other things as well. Like at one point, there's like some looting going on, and they've got a box that says UHTV, UHD TV on it, which is fine. Uh, but then Batman references the fact that people, one of the things people want in life is bigger TVs and stuff. And I was like, it felt like the book really wants to try and reference a lot of things and just reference like the real world, or reference pop culture. There's a lot of that going on. And then the other thing, and this bugged me even more, perhaps, is Batman's characterization feeling a little off, and also. Well, maybe I'm feeling off is a bit not, not the right way of saying this. On, it's more that Witta seems to want to like include a lot of like stuff that relates to who Batman is, but he's like including too much of it in one issue. So there's like a moment where the Joker, for example, like after he's like saved the kids from the school bus, and Joker's like you know falling off the side of the bridge, and Batman obviously eventually like fires his grapple down and like, you know leaves Joker dangling because he's not going to let him die. But there's a whole internal monologue where the narration where Batman's saying, you know, I know Joker can't swim. Because I, I can, you know, I still see him in that vat of, of uh, you know, chemicals, you know, that night he was created. And I still wonder if I should have let him drowned. And just before like, he, he files the grapple, he says, one day clown, but not today. Uh, so characterization's a bit off there because like, I, don't, I don't know, I'm kind of over, like, I, I don't mean necessarily Batman, like, being tempted early in his career and it definitely makes you feel like it's an early-ish batman setting because he's having these thoughts but there's even like a moment where there's like some criminals that have killed a couple in crime alley and batman comes in takes care of them and he says i don't usually come to this part of the city the memories are too you know too real like you know the mm. <laughs> and things like i'm just like why is there so much of this in this like so much of like like batman talking about why he, he kills or doesn't kill people or, well, not that it does or doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't kill people. Uh, Batman talking about his, you know, internal debate of just killing the Joker as if it's, like, an ever-present thing. Um, when he goes, goes past the people looting, he's talking about why I'm not going to, like, save, like, these big companies and they've got insurance. I'm not, this is not why I dress up as a bat. And then he, like, he saves someone who's getting attacked. He's like, this is why I dress up like a bat. Like, like I feel like he's, he's, he's hitting, like, it's like he's one... It feels the need. To, it's, it's almost like it's the first Batman movie that's not got an origin. So he's intentionally putting in all these little things to try and like explain who Batman is as he's going. Everyone knows who Batman is, and address like all of like the internal 
things and it, it really started to annoy me the more it happened the more i was like why are all these little things in here like i know who batman is <laughs> you don't have to go through all of this yeah i wonder if that's only like gonna be a, an issue a problem in the first issue maybe like he's got that all out the system now so they can just relax maybe not i, I don't know like, i really he stops penguin at one point uh that's right before the joker scene um uh, you know, because because one of the things early on that he says is like to Alfred is like, uh, "What about the Boy Scout? Have we heard from him?" And I was like, okay, that makes you feel like early days, right? And he calls him Clark later, so it's whatever. And it's like, okay, so there's some maybe alien ship or something that's done this to the world, and it's probably hostile. But this that is definitely a very angry Batman because uh, at the end, um, you know, when there's like, okay, there's something up up above in the atmosphere that's that's causing this blackout, and only one satellite that's a little bit further from Earth is actually still operating, or at least one of Wayne's satellites that is. Um, he says, "Well, it, you know, like we can't wait for Clark to show up if he's not answering. It's kind of weird if he contacted, because he says if he contacted the rest of the league, and it's like, yeah, they're waiting at the headquarters, so presumably that's where we're going to start issue two. But he says, um, Al- Alfred asks, are we declaring war? And Bruce says." They declared war when they shut down our planet. Now we hit back hard, and that's what the issue ends on. And well, I, I, I don't get me wrong. I think it's reasonable to suspect that this is hostile and that this is like maybe a preemptive thing before something else. Is I get why he's thinking that. I don't know. Something just felt a little too one note and aggressive. Uh, uh, I guess mm. from Batman. So some of it's just like it feels like it's trying to reiterate every internal like thing batman had to go through in his early days all sort of hitting in the, the narration mixed with a couple of times of feeling a little bit off character because of that and then add in the awkward pop culture references by the end i was having a lot of problems with dialogue and narration um i think the premise is fine and there's some good art from robertson i think sprinkled in here for sure uh uh, I was like every bit of you know every page like there's definitely some uh, facial expressions that look a bit weird to me or um, uh, Bruce especially towards the end there's like one page where he's looking down at the computer monitors and I think his face looks a bit odd um, but by and large when he's in the cowl you know the silhouette of the Batman looks really good and uh, stuff like the, the skill busking off over the side of the bridge looks really nice and detailed and uh pops quite nicely so there's a lot of nice art in here as well but i have to say uh i i really started to get annoyed by a lot of things in the book and by the end it left me feeling very mixed i would say Mm. that's a shame so uh my my disappointment are you not reading this is to see if this is just me or if you were going to feel the same things i suspect i would agree with a lot of those problems that you've pointed out things like the the over you know I'm pretty annoyed by a lot of over-narration in a lot of comics anyway. Uh, I complain about that a lot. And especially with it being like recurring problems, like the ones you're referring to, like mm. uh, it's all, oh, you know, hitting the same beats kind of repeatedly. Yeah, I, I suspect I would probably be annoyed by those as well. Yeah, and there was another one, like, when he's leaving Garden, like, just as he's leaving, there's like a page of, uh, you know, he's, he's jumping off the, the roof. Um and like and again implying it's an early days bat story because um he asked jim if he's okay and he says yeah i'm fine because he talks about popping pills for his blood pressure and he's like you're the only person that's asked me that and batman says what are friends for 
and Gordon goes, is that what we are? And as Batman jumps off the roof, he goes, well, as close as it gets when one of us is wearing a mask. And I'm like, I thought that was really cheesy. I wasn't really feeling that. Yeah. Oh, and that's the other thing. There's like a, a reference to, not necessarily a direct, like this is in the same universe kind of thing, but there's kind of a reference to Batman Begins here because uh, Gordon says thanks and Batman says, I told you you never had to tell me that or say that to me. I was like, oh, that's, oh, yeah. that's a Begins reference. That's, 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 you know, that's, you know. I never got a chance to thank you. Uh, you'll never have to. And then it's, re- you know, it's referenced in Dark Knight when he says, yes, I do. Uh, yeah. But, and that I felt, think it's more just a reference than anything. Yeah. yeah. But it, it was right after the Purge thing, so it was like, eh. I don't know. It felt like there was too many things being referenced constantly. I don't know. That's fair. And, and for me, I'm not a huge Robertson fan either. Like, mm. I can stand it, but I don't, I don't usually like his art very much. It, it borders on dislike at times. I, I think his regular faces are a little bit wonky at times. I I do think that when it's in the, 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 the cowl, when he's doing sort of action, it's it's all right. Even good. He, he does. He's, he's great around like, you know, big beefcake figures, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what his strength is. And it's fine, but it's not really an art style that appeals to me. Um, and it, uh, it's, it's his faces in general. From what I remember, he has a weird thing with mouths. They always look really small yes. on the face. Yeah, there's definitely some Bruce mouth in this where it feels like it's just not wide enough. It feels like he's got yeah. like a little rat mouth. <laughs> yeah, he has that in a lot of his stuff where it always feels like the, the 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 facial features are all squashed in. They're too small for the face that they're actually on. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to probably... Maybe harsh, but I'm going to lump this with a 5.5. It does sound quite harsh, actually, but... I was really annoyed by the end of the issue. Like it, it was like, the first time. I was like, "Oh, I didn't like that," but whatever. Moving on, no big deal. It's, it, because the writing seemed fine before that for the first couple few pages, and then it just kept coming back. It, it just yeah. often enough to keep reminding you that it's still being annoying. It got to the point where every couple of pages, it was doing something that took me out of it and annoyed me. So by the end, I was like, even though I'm fine with the premise and I like generally what the story is doing, I actually I'm kind of annoyed uh, by by the writing, which is a shame. Uh, but it is what it is. Uh, so, uh, I don't know if Matt read this yet. Uh, I'll be curious to ask him about it next week and see if he give it a try and what he thought of it. But yeah, if he decided to, because he didn't, he didn't read a uh, One Dark Night, did he? Oh, he went back and read that. He read the. He, he oh, did he? Okay. With the second issue, yeah, because I had said he it didn't, was good. He didn't at the time. I know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there you go. That's Batman Fortress. Uh, so. Patreon book time every month on patreon.com slash TV for one of the higher tiers. You can make myself or Connor read a book. Connor's going to do one this week. He's reading uh, a new book that came out this week because uh, he's made to. Um, and that is Harley Quinn issue 15. So take it away. Yeah, Stephanie Phillips, still writing. Yeah, Riley Rosmo, still on art. This is the continuation of the Batwoman Harley team up. And it's not great. I will say, it's not as hor- horrendously bad as a lot of the other issues have been. I think it's a lot more straightforward than than a lot of issues have been. There's no jumping around timelines. It mostly follows really linearly, just straight through with the two characters. There's a little bit of the start with some detectives and a little bit of the end with Kevin. But for the most part, it just follows straight through with the two of them. And basically... They are trying to find evidence to prove that Harley didn't commit all the murders 
because she can't have committed the murders. And Batwoman knows that. that's why she's broke her out of Blackgate in the first place, because she thinks if she's in Blackgate, she's just going to get killed because she's a target. She has no faith in Harley to defend herself, apparently. Uh, so they, they break into like the police station and like looking at the evidence box and you know, the detective, you know, one of the detectives finds them and there's a bit of a fight. And then up shows the, the new vigilante that, that is framing Harley. Um, guilty. The one with the guilty on the mask. I, don't, I, I can never remember the name. I don't even know if they've given her an official name yet. Um, but her. There's a big fight scene. Um, it's a very messy fight because Rosmo. It goes on for about six pages, which is way too long uh, for a fight between three people in one room. And it ends with a massive explosion. Like they've won, they've got they've got her uh, cornered, and she has a, she just pulls a detonator out, and, uh, and and blows them all up and escapes. But she's been shot a few times. She's like beaten up, and it, this is where it does the thing where it plays it like a reveal. Like she gets back to you know to Kevin's house, you know, or home you know, in the apartment, and it's in the bathroom, and she pulls off the mask, and it's like it's me, it's Sam, and it's like that. It's a big final page reveal and I thought it was really weird because they really heavily implied it last issue that it was her so we kind of knew this as an audience so this reveal is more for Sam's sake not for Kevin's sake you know finding out that it's Sam but that seems weird to treat that as a big final page kind of cliffhanger uh, as the reveal there because we know that ah Verdict that's 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 a name uh, it's an awful name why I don't remember it ever, but uh, it says next time is going to be her origin, which, way yeah, that's just what I need. The only upside to that <laughs> is that sounds like a fill-in issue. Ah, that's a different art. That, 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 that sounds like it's not going to be a Riley Rosmo issue, and I could be wrong. I haven't looked ahead, but it does, you know, the, those, those sorts of issues in the middle of an arc do tend to be fill-in artists a lot of the time, so I, I can live in hope. But yeah, this this book is so it's so rough, and it's not it's not just the art anymore. Like the writing is kind of all over the place. This issue, like I said, it's it's fairly linear compared to a lot of the issues which are jumping all over the place. There's not a lot of pop culture referencing this time. Again, unlike a lot of the issues, Harley does have a weird fixation on bringing a monkey on a heist that just wasn't funny the first time. And then it comes up like five times over the issue, and it just got annoying by the end. Like, why? Why are you so fixated on this one joke that's not funny? It's not getting any funnier. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's like a four. Better than some of the issues. <laughs> what a rain endorsement. Uh, but there you go. That'll take us on to the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week: favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books. So we'll start with a favorite panel slash moment. Connor, what do you have? I'm not ready. I forgot to look. Oh my god. Just I forgot to look in advance. Just just go. I have not looked either. I mean I've looked at the covers because I always look at those while, while you're doing a Patreon book. <laughs> That's what I do. Um Okay, I think for me, uh, I mean, it's probably from Swamp Thing. I mean, uh, although that said, though, the, the 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 vampires getting dusted in the hallway fight, as it were, uh, is a really cool little moment. But, um, I think in Swamp Thing, I'm going to go with 
uh, probably something with Trinity. Uh, pro probably the uh, like her waking up and seeing the guy dead from radiation poisoning. I'll go with that. Mm, that's a good choice. Okay, what you got? Um. So you know I might actually go with action comics. Yeah, action comics just, is probably the next logical choice as well. I just for the panel. I think um, just that first page, the 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 first big panel, not the little one with just the crest, but the mm. uh, the first major panel, where it's you know, seeing Superman in in the the updated outfit, kind of just being like, mm. it really set the tone of okay, this is why we're in the next stage of the story here now. What color? I I like the the design, the art. It just like it really set me up for the issue and the the story going forward. And I was like, yeah, okay, I really like that image. Yeah, okay, all right. Uh, cover of the week, we got. Oh, there's some good covers this week. There is. Um, yeah, I've got three that I've narrowed it down to. Well, I've got I've picked what one is, but I've got two to mention as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to shout out to actually a couple of the Harley Quinn variants are surprisingly nice. Um, pretty much all of those. Um, oh, I think they sell very well, so they get a lot of good variants. <laughs> they they do, they do, and I, I I know you know whatever, but um, I think ultimately I'm gonna go with the Swamp Thing variant, the uh the Ananda K one, which is kind of the the deconstruction. It's just incredible. Yeah, uh, I think. Uh, I'll give a shout out to the Deathstroke Ink cover. It's the uh, the true one. It's a uh, rose. It's, you know, it's, it's the nice. It's pretty nice yeah. uh, cover of her. Um, also shout out the 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 gist cover of Swamp Thing. It's like the painted Swamp Thing. Is it the gears? Uh, with the furnace. I do like that one as well. Yeah, very pretty. All th all three Swamp Thing covers are great. Yeah. Uh, the one I'm going to pick though is actually one of the detective variants. It's the McDermott one. Uh, it's just a it's the question mark spray painted on Batman's like chest. But it's just really simple. But it's got a nice texture and it's just a simple design that I just think looks really mm. good. So no, that's not bad. I'm gonna go with that. Uh there you go. Uh so best art of the week, weeping. Oh, it's probably something. I think action would have been in with a chance, but I think just the Conrad stuff it isn't bad by any means. But I think it is noticeably different and just lowers it just a touch that I'm gonna push it towards something instead. Uh, that is fair. I am also going with Swamp Thing. I want to give a shout out to uh, Vampires Hunters, though, because Gouge has been hit and miss with me in the past, and I want to commend that there's great layouts in that issue, and it didn't really have the problems of the big heads that I have associated with him in the past when he's done, like, Flash issues and stuff. So I want to give him just a bit of a shout out for a, a, an issue that I thought, oh, that's better than what I expected from Gouge, so thumbs up, mm. yes. Uh, But yeah, I'm also picking Swamp Thing. Because it is beautiful, start to finish, all makes sense. Nice variety in it as well. Very moody. Yeah. All good stuff. All right, top five books. On you go. Uh, well, it's one thing. Uh, surprising no one, I mm -hmm. think. Then action. Then DC vampires. After that, probably, probably Robin. Then Detective Comics, I think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my number one's also the Swamp Thing. Uh, number two is, yeah, it's, I mean, the top three is probably the same. So action is number two, and then number three is uh, Vampire Hunters. Uh, then number four, though, I'd, I'd maybe. 
Yeah, I'd probably say... Yeah, I'll say Rob and then I'll put Detective at number five. Wait, is that the exact same? Is that the exact same five as yours? That's the exact same. Well, there you go. It's the exact, it's the exact same then. What do you want? I, I wanted you to change up your order just to not be the same as me. No. Like, I'm not going to... Knowing I'm right means I'm right. I'm not going to change it just to be different to you. Mm, you usually do. I do not. I have integrity. Thank you very much. Uh... Well, there you go. There's a there's a fix of the week. Uh, I will now tell you what is coming next week from DC Comics. It is a week five, so it's a bit so of an oddball. Not too much. It's a bit of an oddball week with annuals and specials. Uh, we have Batman 2022 annual, which um, I might actually not read because it's a Ghostmaker and Batman Inc. story. So by Ed Brisson as well. So it's not even like it's not the regular. Yeah, it's not team. Williamson or or even uh, Zarsky, who's about to be on Batman. So. Yeah, it, it, this seems quite skippable to me, but uh, hey, well, that's uh, Batman 22 annual. Uh, you get the Action Comics 2022 annual, much more interesting. Uh, Which I think is the next part of the story. I'm checking. Uh, I mean, Johnson's one of the writers on it, so yeah, I would I would suspect that it's going to be relevant. Yeah, I think it's got two stories. Which I think half it's going to be the regular story, and then half it is Cyberia by the look of it. Yeah. Uh, so as Action Comics 2022 annual, we have Nice House in the Lake issue 9, we have Justice League Road to Dark Crisis issue 1, so that's a special one-shot leading into the event, so obviously we've got to be a big talking point next week with me and Matt. Uh, oh God, there's so many writers on that. Shadow War Omega issue 1, the finale to the Shadow War, so that should be a big deal next week as well, also oversized one-shot, and then there's also the Batman Beyond the White Knight showcase edition, which obviously is just a reprint of the first two issues. You know, I was just looking at the uh, the Road to Dark Crisis. Mm-hmm. It's not quite what I thought. I thought it was kind of going to be like you know, like the zero leading issues. Sure. It's it's a it's basically like an anthology issue. Mm. They're all just it's it's a bunch of a bunch of teams doing stories set in a world without a Justice League. Ah, uh, okay. I mean, it's less interesting, but it's not surprising either. Yeah, there's at least one interesting writer in there that. John, I yeah, imagine, you know, it's probably going to be the least exciting thing, but I think Action, Nice House, and uh, the Shadow War finale will be exciting enough. Uh, so, that's what's coming next week on uh, the show. Well, no, we're not talking about all of those, because I'm, I'm definitely not reading uh, the the Batman annual. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Matt may read it. We'll see. He might, yeah. Yeah. No one telling I'm no, no one telling I'm not reading that because that'll be funny. <laughs> and then he'll be miserable. And he'll be annoyed at me. It'll be gold. It'll be great. Well, we'll have a nice time. Excellent news. Uh, Matt won't have a nice. Oh, Matt won't have a nice time, but I will. Uh, so yeah, I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. They are Tyler Hess, Cindy Pelicius, David Sharp, Bordnow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Tresman, and Alison M. Four days. Thank you to all of them. Uh, you can, of course, support us over at patreon.com slash TV for as little as $1 per month and get some bonuses for your trouble. Uh, the main thing for this show is you get uh, early access. You get, get it late Saturday night whenever it's ready as opposed to waiting for the Sunday. So if that's of interest or you just want to support the show, feel free to, uh, to go do so over there. Um, and check out other MailFuzz content. We have MailFuzz Movies YouTube channel with the sci-fi and horror movie podcast. We'll have a look there. 
Uh, you can also get Melpus TV where there's reviews of various TV shows, a lot of sci-fi TV shows in particular, but other things, a big thing right now is Better Call Saul, which is, is myself and Connor reviewing that. Uh, but you also get the TV news podcast, which is me and Connor, and then I review other shows with others over there. Uh, Tara, for example, we do uh, Babylon 5 and the modern Star Trek shows, things like that. So go and have a look and see if you're interested. But uh, uh, that, is, uh, that is us. So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, we always appreciate it. Keep reading DC Comics. We'll see you next week for episode 308, I think. Is, is this 307? I think it's 307. Uh, we'll see oh, well, that's what you said. Is that what I said at the start? Oh, that's right. If that's what I said at the start, it's right, because I checked right before we started, but now I'm doubting what I said at the start. So, uh, thank you very much. Keep reading DC Comics, and remember to never get lost in the Speedverse. Speedverse? Speed Force. Speed Force.